Angie's list is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Well, it's time for another edition of Mullins Music and Memories with yours truly, your host, Mark Lee. Looking forward to another great conversation with amazing folks and some amazing folks that I've had the pleasure of meeting and all of that. So we're definitely going to have a fun conversation and a conversation with a lot of truly amazing people and some folks that I am glad to call new friends and all of that. So looking forward to some amazing conversations here on Mullins Music and Memories. There's been a lot of things going on this past week. As a matter of fact, I just finished doing the technician work or kind of the vaccines, engineering, and some of the producing for the amazing Black Business Olympics, which is done by the Black Business Expo. And one of those guests actually decided that they would come in and share a little bit about what they've got going on in their world with me. And I also saw that a longtime friend of mine, uh, Ms. Maya, I've known her since she was a young child, as I've known her mom as well, is here with us also. And she is in that whole pageant community. So it ought to be interesting having a conversation with her about pageants and how that whole thing is going, because I think she's competing for Miss North Carolina, if I remember correctly. But we'll find out more about that as I bring in the various guests and we share the conversation with these amazing folks. And like I said, definitely have had the pleasure of meeting some truly amazing people. I know I just stepped outside. The weather is pretty decent here, even though it is hot. And I just recently found out that I will be emceeing a live event. So there will be a live event going on even in the middle of the pandemic because I was finding out that the festival at the Eno will be doing a hybrid kind of combination of both some virtual parts of it, which I think is one day at the Haytai Heritage Center, and some of it there will be live and in person, but with a limited audience, if you can call 7,000 people spread out over a state park. Um, a limited amount, but they will definitely have a limited amount. And I think that was the figure I heard. It'll definitely be less than they usually have because they can sometimes hit anywhere from 15 to 20 or even more than that. So it'll definitely be more spread out and they are trying to take various precautions to make sure that folks are protected even during that event and all of that. But right now I'm going to bring in uh, Miss Dougherty and see what she thought about this amazing event that, that we just did and everything, which was the Black Business Olympics that Eric Kelly was involved in and definitely had you as one of the speakers. And I know that you're a motivational person and definitely gives a lot of positive messages. So if you can share with our audience here on Pod TV, formerly IBM TV, a little bit about your own background. I'm sure that folks would love to hear about it. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Definitely appreciate being here today. Let me tell you, the uh, experience was absolutely wonderful yesterday. But first, my name is Nikki Doherty. I am a United States Army combat veteran. I served in Iraq in 2003. And with that being said, I'm actually the CEO and founder of Faith, Hope, Love for Veterans here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we help our fellow veterans who are on the street or just in need 
um, with, you know, the necessities that they need on a daily. We're actually in the process of creating a sustainable housing solution for them because our goal and our vision is to decrease homelessness amongst the veterans and eventually end it. So by the end of this year, we definitely want to break ground on that initiative to have sustainable housing for our veterans. But as you did say, Mr. Lee, I am uh, known as a motivational mindset superwoman. I definitely help women overcome barriers and challenges that they may be experiencing, whether in business or wanting to start business, help them overcome those hurdles of being frustrated, stuck and unfulfilled and overwhelmed, really find their place and help them to walk out their power and their purpose. But yesterday was definitely amazing with the wonderful speakers all week at the Black Business Olympics hosted by the Black Business Expo. Just amazing people, amazing Black businesses doing wonderful things in the community. Um, you name it, they were there. And I learned so much and really grateful and honored to be able to speak at that event yesterday. No, it was a great event. Your speech was very great. and It was an amazing event. And I definitely thought that you gave a powerful message. And I definitely know about your work with the veterans. And actually, a good friend of mine, Captain Newborn, he did an event for several years that was the Road to the Apollo. And that was done by his organization, which was um, the, uh trying to remember the name of his veterans organization, Next Level Veterans, I believe it is, or something like that. But they took um, a lot of people up to the Apollo and raised money. And I know he was oftentimes talking about the amount of veterans that are still, as you said, homeless, and this was even before the pandemic, and still facing a lot of um, issues. And he was not too pleased with even the way that the Veterans Administration has been treating a number of you veterans as well. I know that I did the primary hosting, but then in about the midway point, he would come on and give a lot of statistics. And some of those statistics were very um, heart-wrenching in terms of the way that you veterans have been treated, particularly those that had served in the Gulf War and a number of the other wars as well. So I'd love to hear maybe some of your thoughts about that. Cause like I said, I know that I did that event for several years and it was just amazing hearing folks uh, talk about um, what was going on and uh, the fact that y'all were not getting enough relief. And you even talked about the homeless population. And I know yeah. that he was interested in that as well. Right. I definitely feel that the Veteran Administration is doing the best they can, but they are extremely overwhelmed. And with that being said, I even called for an appointment the other day. My eye was really bothering me. It was swollen, um, very fuzzy. And they said they had their next appointment was in September. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And the lady, she felt, you know, really bad. But she's like, hey, we're just super overwhelmed. So I think there are more veterans in need than what can be um, helped at that time. So it takes people like me just with the passion, really putting those boots on the ground to say, hey, I can start an organization to help this initiative. Now, starting the organization really wasn't that easy. Of course, um, I'm trying to get in the process of getting grant funding for my project, of, of course, uh, coming up against some red tape and, you know, being told no a lot. But I can't let that discourage me because I have to find a way, make a way to help my homeless veterans, even if that means raising the funds on my own. 
but there but we definitely need more people to have more boots on the ground to say hey i'm willing to take this charge put this initiative on my back and see to it that if I can just reach 50 veterans right now, um, I don't know the exact statistic, but the last time I was in the meeting with a couple of the housing authority and um, different organizations that are doing the work here in Charlotte, the number was in the 200s that we know of that veterans are homeless. Now, once again, that's what we know of, but if I can help 50, someone else can help 50, we can definitely narrow down um, that number and decrease it because that that is the goal. So the VA is just super overwhelmed and they're just not um, able to help everyone who's in need right now. And it is definitely heart wrenching, gut wrenching, especially when you see homeless veterans with the sign that says, hey, I served my country and I'm on the street. And it's like, I don't like seeing that at all. So I'm going to do whatever I have to do in Charlotte, North Carolina to start there to get the community involved and say, hey, we have to do something about those that have served our country, even out of the country, being on forward foreign land, putting our lives at danger and in risk and really risking our lives. We have a saying that all gave some, some gave all to that war. Some yeah, that makes a lot of sense and everything. And definitely, I know that uh, the group is, by the way, called Next Level Veterans. And, and it is um, doing a lot of work around specializing and helping folks that had traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress disorders, suicide prevention, uh, peer support, and military sexual trauma. Because I do know that all of those have been issues that have been faced in by various veterans and everything. So definitely, they have been trying to work with folks that are dealing with these issues on a regular basis and still continue to do that work even though he has some other uh, jobs as well. Ironically, his name is Captain Newborn and I oftentimes tease him about it because he did not serve in the military. His dad did not serve in the military and neither did his grandfather. So it's like a hereditary name that they got. Okay. And I think when I tease him about it, he says that it might have been somebody like four or five generations ago that was actually in the military and gave that name Captain and just passed it down generation to generation, <laughs> even though none of them have served because I oftentimes tease him about that. I'm like, wait a minute, did you yeah. serve in the military? And he's like, nope, that's a name that's a family name, not necessarily a military rank I was going to ask, what branch did he serve in? I know that's probably the first question that he gets. Yeah, I'm sure that <laughs> that's the first question. That's really great with small organizations like myself, we can become like a family. You can't really become a family with the VA because you, you see them maybe once a week for an hour or so, and you, you can't get that personable. I mean, you can, but still, there's so many people coming and going. So with organizations like Next Level Veteran and Faith, Hope, Love for Veterans, we're able to be a community to these veterans because veterans with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, TBI, they need family, they need community support, and they need that on an ongoing basis, someone that they know that they can lean on. And, and that's what's really great about smaller organizations. No, and definitely I want to bring in a couple of the other guests as well. So I actually think I'm going to bring in Matt at some point, but I also want to bring in Jesse, who's got some amazing things going on in his community. And he's actually, if I remember correctly, Jesse, weren't you involved in the military as well yeah. and everything? I'm trying to remember, but I can't remember. We've talked about so much, but it does seem to me that you had some military background. And then of course, you definitely have the background of uh, the being an entrepreneur and doing this amazing thing that is winning awards with your liquor and everything. Indeed, Mark. Um, Air Force veteran, um, yeah, and a DOD, a civilian. I'm um, a total about um, 12 years total. So, so 
I love the initiative that you have going on. Is it Nikki? I don't want to butcher yes. your name. I apologize. But yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm very interested. If you can send me some info, I would love to be involved the best I can uh, with that organization. So. Yeah, and Mark, tell, um, tell, tell, tell a little bit about your business. I know you've got your business and everything, and I've got some other guests, but I'd love for folks to learn more about what you're doing with the liquor company and everything, but also some of these uh, awards. Because, like I said, I saw that you had gotten some awards and things of that nature. <laughs> oh, and I don't know about the awards, Mark. Uh, I do have a couple of my business partners and teammates that are actually waiting in the lobby to um, Brian Burton okay. and, and Courtney Tucker. So um, I'm just yeah, a partner. I'll bring them in as well. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, that's Mr. Burton there, and that's Mr. Yeah. Tucker. So um, we are the founders of Old Hillside Bourbon Company. Um, I, um, we are based out of Durham. Um, and we went to Hillside High School in Durham and decided to pay um, tribute by actually creating our brand around Hillside. So. Cool. Definitely. It's an amazing brand. Definitely want y'all to share more about that and everything. And I did have one other person because, it's, like I said, it's a roundtable conversation. We'll talk about a lot of things going on. But I've also got Matt that's going to be joining us. And Matt is actually involved in the ticket world. I met him through Brian and everything. And he's got an amazing organization that actually, if you create, like if you always thought that you wanted to go somewhere and you didn't get to go there, like you wanted to go to the Super Bowl and all of that, his company will actually create those tickets that can almost make it seem like you were there at the Super Bowl even though you weren't there at everything. So tell a little bit more about the company. I probably butchered the whole idea, but it's the whole idea of the time machine and the fact that, you know, I wanted to be at Super Bowl, uh, let's say 2018. I was nowhere near there, but you can set the whole um, kind of uh, semblance of being there. So I'd like you to share a little bit about what your company is all about as well. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mark. Uh, you got the gist of it. We're a commemorative ticket company. And essentially, we're keeping the printed memory alive. And so with everything going to digital, we're going to keep printing tickets and lanyards and credentials. We can customize and personalize them. We have augmented reality experiences coming, gamification coming. So it's really uh, it's going to be a win-win-win. The fans are going to enhance the fan experience. We're going to generate revenue for teams and festivals and events and and then offer added value for brands and, and, and partners and sponsors. We don't have permission. A lot of this is going to be dedicated on sponsors and partnerships and some licensing. So when we're operating exactly how we want to operate, you will be able to get a ticket for a past event that you've been to. So there was some truth in what you said. We're hoping to have the ability for you to say, hey, I was at the, you know, the Super Bowl 10 years ago, and I'd love to get a ticket for that. And depending on the, the interest and demand for a specific event, we might be able to actually recreate that ticket as of how it was. Uh, so we're, we're working on uh, partners and uh, licensing and, you know, being sponsors and going to conferences. But anyone who has an event that wants to help their fans commemorate it or, or earn some additional revenue, uh, we can we can certainly help. So how would that work with, like, say, a liquor company? Because Brian, Courtney, and Jesse have all got their new liquor. Well, it's a fairly new liquor company and everything. So how would that work with them if they wanted to create an event or if they wanted to even do some branding of their liquor using your uh, situation? Yeah, we have – I think that our assets are great for experiential marketing activations. I mentioned we're going to do some augmented reality experience. So if you know the 19 Crimes Wine – what they do, uh, we'll have the ability to have that, but it'll be a, a credential, you know, similar to this, where you can 
have rotating images on the front and we'll have a trigger that will go to uh, an AR video and it'll bridge the digital and the physical world. So with brands and companies, you know, activations, experiential marketing, a unique way to engage with the fans. That's the, the type of thing that we're looking to engage partnerships with. Cool. And like I was asking, well, I know I asked Jesse and Jesse's a veteran. I can't remember it because it never came up in your conversation, Brian, whether you had the military in your family. I know that I did not serve in the, the military, but my dad was in the Air Force. And of course, I've got cousins that were in the various aspects of the military and everything, including my cousin Emmett, who was an officer over there in the, the um, Middle East and everything, even during the time of the takedown of uh, the dictators over there and all of that. So definitely um, he was involved and is now doing kind of that military civilian work. So it's like that civilian work, but still having those military credentials and all of that. So he's using that and just recently came back from over in the Middle East and is now back in D.C. But I think he may be heading back to the Middle East to do some of that civilian work in the not too distant future. So him and his brother are involved in different forms of either law enforcement or military, because I know his uh, younger brother, my other cousin on that aunt's uh, two kids is a uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation officer and all of that. So definitely, I was just wondering if either you had any military experience, Matt, as well as Courtney and Brian. And then I do want to bring in my pageant lady as well, so she can share a little bit about what she's got going on with the pageant and what she's got happening in her world. But Matt, what about you? Did you have any military background? I don't have any military background. I have some friends who are in the military. My grandfather was in the military. I actually had the flag that they gave us uh, when he passed. But uh, certainly, um, love to thank everyone for their service. Um, living in the, the greatest country in the world wouldn't rather be anywhere else. And, you know, we don't need to wait for Memorial Day and July 4th to, to celebrate our freedoms and, and show our appreciation. No, I definitely agree with you on that. What about you, Courtney and Brian? And if you want to share a little bit about your own background and even the connection to Jesse. No, that, that's awesome, man. Uh, no, I don't have any, um, any, any military background. I have a bunch of uh, cousins and family members who are all served uh, in the military proudly. And um, again, I, you know, I want to thank them for all their service and making this a great country that we live in. Um, uh, just to give you a little background on, on us, man, we, uh, We've, we've known each other since elementary school, uh, junior high school, up until high school. So that's how we connected. And we connected over the love of bourbon uh, online uh, after all these years, over 20, 20, 25 years or so, I would say. I hadn't seen these guys in person uh, in that long. So um, over the pandemic, we decided to link up and just start a bourbon company. And uh, here we are a year later, uh, June 1st marked, marked, a, marked a year of our company. And uh, we have a bottle, we have a product. And that's just, uh, you know, hard work, determination, you know, perseverance, uh, the love for where we're from, Durham, North Carolina. And uh, we just wanted to put a good quality product out there and um, and have a household name, you know. And, uh, yeah, I love, love these guys. And I'll, I'll let Brian go because I can talk forever about the product. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, yes, I had a grandfather, my father, and my brother all served. Uh, they prevented me from serving. So I only became a firefighter. So. You know, not as prestigious, but uh, I do thank the veterans for their sacrifice and, and their service. Um, big proponent of supporting those who are in the military. Um, actually, the 82nd Airborne is supporting our product at this moment um, on their own, via their own message board. So yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're really big into the military and supporting those guys as they have supported us over the years. 
Yeah, you say that y'all are, you say firefighters are uh, like, don't have the prestige. I would argue <laughs> that in the pandemic, y'all definitely came up as having a lot of support as well as being, you know, part of those uh, first uh, priority people and everything, whether that's the doctors, whether that's the firefighters, whether that's law enforcement or a number of others, and even some folks that we were not thinking in the past needed to get the kind of reputations that they deserve. So I definitely have to give a shout out to the uh, food workers, including those folks that are working at things like DoorDash and um, Uber and Lyft and things of that nature, because that's how a lot of us got our food during this pandemic and even how we got around and all of that. So, uh, Nikki, uh, Ms. Dowdy, if you could, I'm sure you've got some advice for these business owners. And I do want to bring in really quickly Maya as well, who has definitely got some strong Durham connections and is definitely doing some amazing things. And as you see, she's got her pageant uh, uh, sash on and all of that. And definitely, I know that she's a longtime Durham person, and I've known her since she was a youngster. And I don't know how many pageants you've been involved in, Maya, so if you want to, actually, I'll get to Nikki's advice, but if you want to share a little bit about your pageant history, I'm sure folks would love to hear that as well. Cool. Um, so, yeah, my name is Maya Bryant, and born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. I went to Durham School of the Arts and then went and got my undergrad from William Peace University in Raleigh, so didn't go too far from home, and then earned my master's at Liberty University. And in exactly eight days, that's what my countdown tells me, I will compete for Miss North Carolina 2021 in hopes of winning that title and going on to compete for Miss America, the 100th Miss America this um, December. So I have, yes, you're right. I've competed in so many pageants uh, since the age of nine. And my first pageant was actually in Durham. Uh, there were family friends and they wanted me to compete for Little Miss North Carolina Central University. And my mom said, absolutely not. She is not going to do that because all we knew about pageants was the Joan Benet Ramseys of the world. That was not what my mom wanted me to be a part of. And the response back to her was, she's not gonna win. We just need a warm body on stage. We just need another child. So my mom said, okay, sure. I loved being on stage. I won that pageant in 2001. And ever since then have loved being on stage and then started competing in the Miss America organization because a lot of people don't know it's the leading scholarship organization for young women in our country. So I've wow. been very fortunate uh, to have been a product of a single parent household to have earned two degrees before the age of 22 because of those funds that were afforded me uh, through the Miss America organization. So it, fun fact, if I am the lucky woman next week to be Miss North Carolina, I will be debt free. At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks. Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. 
Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Wow, that's amazing if you can become debt-free and everything. And a lot of people don't know that about Miss America, that it's a scholarship organization, and you're so right about that. And a lot of times people think about the uh, pageant moms and the negative aspects. So if you could share just a little bit about your experience with the pageant and what you enjoyed about it, because it definitely sounds like you have not had those same negative experiences that are the stereotypes that we always hear about. You are absolutely right that many people, when they think about pageants, it is the crazy things that we see on TV. But I have the woman that I am today is largely because of my competition through the Miss America organization. I started competing actually in the Miss North Carolina organization as a teen. They do an outstanding teen program, which is a sister program to the Miss America organization. So at 15, I started competing and have been able to hone my public speaking skills. I now know what it means to go into a job interview and sell yourself because we, many people don't see on TV is before all of that happens on the TV and the glitz and glam, you are put into a 10 minute private interview with the judges and you stand at a podium and they can ask you anything and you have to be ready. And so that has helped me with my public speaking skills, with being able to talk on stage in front of people and perform a talent and hone those skills. I sing for my talent. I'll be singing Donna Summer's Last Dance. And mm -hmm. so to engage an audience, for a song that's so classic is something that I have learned through this organization. And I've met some of my best friends. Uh, I know, Courtney, you were talking earlier about reconnecting with friends through the pandemic. Well, through the, I've, had, I've won this title in November of 2019, thinking that I would compete in June 2020. And we all know the old tale that happened uh, and that pageant didn't happen. And so many women have kept this title for a year and a half. And I've been able to connect with not only the women across our state who are competing, but the women across the country. So I have friends now in Virginia and Texas and South Carolina who are all competing this month as well, hoping to go to Miss America. So I'm hope crossing my fingers for my friends as well and that we'll all be at Miss America in December. But it is definitely about the sisterhood. We have a crown that has four points and they stand for scholarship style, style service and success. And I always say, if I could add another one, it would be sisterhood because there's nothing like women uplifting other women. Maya, have you have you ever seen the show Insatiable on Netflix about? Yes. Is that it's a funny, crazy? I mean, how how close to reality is that? I mean, obviously without the killing. Right. Uh, well, fun fact: a pageant coach that I've actually worked with this year, Bill Iverson. Uh, it was kind of the inspiration behind that show on Netflix. So that was a, a cool connection I have to that. But uh, it's not, I hate to t let people down, but it's really not full of drama and craziness. There is, you know, I do say pageants is another world for sure. We step next week, my mom and I will travel to High Point, North Carolina, and we know we're stepping into another world. But it's just because we're all putting on pretty dresses to go stand on stage. We're not really going anywhere. So I think that's the part that's strange to people. But other than that, it is such an uplifting environment. And it's much you know, like a job, we're all a team. If one person looks bad, we all look bad. If one person doesn't sound smart, we all don't sound smart. And so we're all backstage lifting each other up to put on an amazing production. And I have a feeling that this pageant's gonna be absolutely amazing because we've waited so long for it to finally happen. 
you know, we, you know, we went through postponements like everyone did with events last year. We were like, oh, we'll have it later in the summer. And then received the news that we weren't gonna be able to have it at all. And Miss America was ultimately canceled too. So we're looking forward to having a show. <laughs> we're ready to just do it. Are you looking at having a limited audience? I know that I just got a call yesterday from the Eno, which is our big um, outside festival during the 4th of July weekend. And they're gonna do one day virtual, but the other two days will be live and in person, but with a limited audience, similar to what the uh, Durham Bulls, the baseball team has done as well as other minor league teams. And definitely similar to what our uh, professional sports have done as well. I think that I heard a figure of like maybe 7,000 or something like that. But if you know the Eno, you know that that's probably about half of what our usual crowds are and all of that. So definitely they're planning to stretch it out and make sure people are vaccinated or if not vaccinated wearing masks. So how are y'all going to handle that with the uh, pageant or have they given y'all any tips on that? Fun fact, most of the women who are competing for Miss North Carolina are fully vaccinated. So we love that. And so we uh, obviously we have to show proof of vaccination or or a negative COVID test before we're even allowed to enter the competition. And we're just making sure that everyone is staying safe. As far as the audience, there will be a limited audience. Most uh, we have been able recently with the governor's orders to open up some more seating. So that is exciting. But you're right. It will be different in that aspect that there will be a smaller audience. We are streaming the pageant as well. Uh, we're waiting for that streaming information. And that will be shared uh, through all of our social media um, platforms. But we're going to stream the final night of pageants for people who won't be able to make it because of those limited uh, seating capabilities. And uh, Ms. Dougherty, you've done some public speaking and everything. So what kind of advice would you give to Maya as she's doing this competition? And did you ever go that competition route? And I can't remember from meeting you during the Black Business Olympics, whether you have kids or not, and if those kids have been involved in that pageant route also, because I do know that you're a military veteran, like we talked about. But I was just wondering uh, your own experience with public speaking and what advice you would give. Definitely. So I do have a 14 year old daughter. She never went the pageant route. She definitely could definitely looks like a model, but she never really wanted to go that route as well. When I think about public speaking, it's all about just being confident. You know, I made several mistakes yesterday, but no one knew it because I just kept on going. I didn't even flinch. And it's just about being confident. It's about knowing what you want to speak on and just engaging the audience. And I think it's really about just being authentic, being your real self, because people connect to us. People connect to the individual, not only what you're saying, but also your, your individuality. And I heard that confidence is the new currency. If you're confident and you feel like you know what you're talking about, even if you really don't, confidence sells, you know, because no one really wants to, you know, speak to someone that's wishy-washy or unsure, but if you're up there and, and you're engaging with the audience and you're speaking confident and see you're confident within yourself, like I got this, I did the work to get here, I got this. And you just give it your all, you go for it and you be confident. And me, I like to smile. So I'm smiling, I'm confident and I'm engaging the audience because I'm just a smiling person. But confidence is the key. It. I love it as well. And I know one of the things you talk about on your speech, Ms. Dowdy, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, is the fact that you also um, had to make a drastic change in your life and everything, because you talk about the fact of not just the changes with the military, but also making a major move 
with your teenage daughter and everything to North Carolina and even how you faced some hardships when you made that move. Because I know you talked about it some in the speech, so I'm sure folks here would love to hear about that as well. Because it didn't sound like it was an easy move and you had gotten uh, divorced and were a single parent and were definitely here with your teenage daughter and coming to a whole other state. So like I said, as I recall, I believe you were in Ohio, if I remember correctly, or something like that, and then moved here to uh, North Carolina. So that, like I said, you know, from the Midwest to the uh, Southeast or whatever, but it was definitely a different kind of environment. So I'm sure that our folks here in the, the uh, studio with us, as well as the folks listening, would love to hear some more about that story as well. Definitely. I know with all of us being entrepreneurs and pursuing our dreams and our goals, there have been times where the Lord has required a very hard thing for us to do. And I was um, volunteering with uh, my pastor at my church in Ohio, and he decided to open up a location here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was working for the government on my military time had rolled over. I was almost at six figures. Life was good. Daughter was in a great school. I was getting ready to purchase a home. And when my pastor decided to open up a church here in Charlotte, North Carolina, I knew that I would have to come down here and serve because I, I love passionately serving at my church. But I thought I could transfer. I could come down here, look for a place to live and do everything the right way. Um, the Lord actually graced me to drive from Charlotte, well, from Ohio to Charlotte, North Carolina, every single Sunday for three months to come down here and serve and help with the church. I would get dressed at 10 a.m. on Sunday, drive to Charlotte. I would serve at my church, get back in the car, drive all the way back home and go to work for three months. And I remember just crying to the Lord after that third month, like, I can't do this anymore. So I heard in my spirit, well, it's time for you to quit. If you really believe my word, if you really believe everything that you're preaching, and if you really believe you know, on me, Will you forsake it all and leave me? Will you give up the life that you prepared for yourself to go and live the life that I prepared for you? So I actually quit my almost six-figure government job, took my daughter out of school in the middle of winter break. She didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to her friends. And I had already been divorced at that time, still dealing, of course, with PTSD and you know self-esteem. And I went through bankruptcy and car repossessions and all this stuff that's going on, not knowing that every single valley was leading me to walk in my purpose and power now. So I came here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I could not get a job. Two bachelor's degrees, master's, combat veteran, I could not get a job, not knowing everything was being prepared for me to be where I'm at now. I could only get a pizza delivery job. Oh, I hated that job. But when no one was at home to get those pizzas with DoorDash, as you said, uh, Mr. Lee, when, when nobody was there for DoorDash, I got to keep the food. So I started feeding the homeless men and women on the streets in Uptown Charlotte. That's where I started running across all the veterans. That's when my heart started being touched that I needed to do something, not knowing I was when one of the worst seasons of my life, but I was also being prepared to be in the best season of my life. So with that being said, we definitely had some hard times, some trying times. But the thing is, even as an entrepreneur, not giving up, knowing that there's something more inside of you to keep going, knowing that we've been called to serve someone else, that it's not about me. And that's how Faith, Hope, Love for Veterans was birthed by me going through one of the worst seats of my life, ended me here with you right now 
in one of the best seasons of my life. So the thing is always believe in yourself for more. Always know when you know you're in the valley and going through the worst season that you will get to the mountaintop one day, but you have to keep pressing forward. And for my daughter, it taught her too. hey, you can start over. And sometimes you have to give up things that you've had so you can start to appreciate where you're at and your story and your journey because we can always get material things back. So that's part of my story and how I ended up here with you and being on the Black Business Expo yesterday. Well, I appreciated everything. Uh, Matt, if you could, tell, I'd love to hear about how you got your business started and some of maybe the hardships that you faced as well, because I know it's definitely something that's a passion of yours. And I'd love to hear a little bit more of your story as to how you got your business going and some of the things that inspired you to keep it running. And even whether you stayed in corporate America as you've been running this business of yours. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I had a job as a ticket salesperson for a company called Worldwide Ticket Craft. And they're a ticket printing company, which I didn't even understand there was actually a thing. But when I was looking for work many years ago, I got lucky, got the job there, spent about seven years really learning about the ticketing industry and um, had some great years there. I really enjoyed it, but moved on from the company, ended up working for LexisNexis doing some anti-money laundering solution sales. And I was there for about six or seven years. And I went to a Marlins game and Edinson Volquez happened to throw a no hitter. And I didn't realize it, but I had a digital ticket. And over the loudspeaker, they said, would you like a printed ticket? Come to the box office. So I said, yeah, this is great. I went on to, to the box office outside and uh, it wasn't a huge line, but there were certainly people there. Went up to the front and said, you know, thanks for this. Can you put Edinson Volquez no hitter on the ticket? And they're like, no, we can't. And I know they can because of all my experience in the ticketing world. And so that's how the idea started. Next week, I was at a co concert and I wanted a printed ticket. I, I figured, let me see what they say. And they wanted, uh, normally they charge $5 for it, but they said they're moving to all digital and they're going to start charging $20 for it. And I'm like, $20 for something that costs them less than a penny? That seems a little uh, crazy to me. And it's not that they want you to pay $20 for it. They wanted to go away. So that's when I really thought this, I have something here. Started the idea and just got everything going. I was still working at LexisNexis until uh, April of last year. So a couple of years, I did some events. I had some good partnerships. I started building it. But really during the pandemic, uh, got everything rolling and in position to be successful now that events are going back. And so that's obviously, you know, a hard thing to do to start up a business in events when events aren't going on. But it offered me the opportunity to have some great conversations with people that I probably never would have been able to get in touch with or had had any of their time if things were going. And then also not having to, you know, worry about, hey, do I need to get this event, this event or that event last year really gave me time to to. I guess build my brand. I would say I started the Wolf Den, which is my show uh, that we go live pretty much every day and just started uh, making connections and doing a lot of networking. That's how I, I met you on yeah. uh, Brian's show, but all, all over networking. I think you were at the, the locker room as well. Yeah. The locker room. Yeah. So <laughs> it's all some, met some really high quality people through networking and I don't know if I'm going to help them or they're going to help me or we'll help each other or we're just going to be people who are uh, connected. But it's it's been great. And um, 
you know, I had I actually gave notice before I knew the pandemic was coming. Got married, went on my honeymoon, came back, and a week later, you know, my or like three weeks later, uh, it was it. My paycheck was gone, and I'm all in on Ticket Time Machine. And I wouldn't change it if I had to go back. I'd do the same exact thing, just like Nikki said. You know, you gotta you gotta go all in on yourself and just believe that what you're doing is going to pay off and um, and that always having the feeling that I'm going to be okay no matter what. And I'm lucky to have to be in that position, but it's uh, I'm excited for the future and um, I'm happy to, to help where I can. And I'm happy to get help with other people who can help. I also do a, a show called learning LinkedIn open to work. It's a series on LinkedIn where we, we bring on people who are looking for jobs and highlight them. So they come on and talk about themselves for about 10 or 15 minutes, who they are, what they've done, what they're looking for. And we get some, we've had some panelists on with some great advice and people in the comments given uh, every episode, there's been a new resource that I've never heard of that other people introduce. So you can find more information, connect with me on LinkedIn, but if you're looking for work, we're probably going to do another one. I would say beginning of July, we go, we do about one a month. And it's just, was actually, yeah, I was just on Clubhouse and actually saw a young lady that was doing something similar, but it was for an industry that folks don't think about because of the pandemic. But she's got an organization called, and Sandy's her first name, I'm trying to remember the last name, but it's an organization called Roadies Care or Roadie Cares. But it's basically like the roadies that you see at shows, a lot of them were definitely impacted by the uh, pandemic. So she's actually trying to help them find jobs because they've got a tremendous amount of skills, but a lot of them were not working in the, the show business because a lot of those concerts weren't happening. So she actually created an organization that's trying to help them get out there and find work as events are coming back. And some of them, as she was saying, on Clubhouse can even translate into the film skills as well. So she's looking at bringing them work both in their event space, but even in other jobs, maybe even in corporate America. I'd love to hear from all of you. And you actually mentioned it, Matt, and I know that it came up at the Black Business Expo, the importance of the networking. And I'd love to hear all of y'all's thoughts about the importance of networking, because definitely it's something I don't think is talked about as much as it probably should be, even though I think that it's a vital thing to happen in the world. So I guess I'll just go... Uh, left to right and everything. So I'll start with you, Nikki, if you could talk about the importance of uh, networking, but I'd also love to hear from Jesse, Brian and Courtney and even Maya, because definitely it seems like that's even important with what goes on in the pageant. So if you could share a little bit about your thoughts about the importance of networking. Definitely. So we've all heard that our network is our net worth, right? Uh, Mark, I was introduced to you or the Black Business Expo by Dr. Kendo, Dr. Belinda Kendo, and, and through her one connection, opened up several doors just this week. And then through that connection, open another door. So the people that we meet, of course, they can open doors that we would not even known had existed or not even had access to. So networking is great. Definitely taking a turn being here on Zoom or, or you know, StreamYard, but definitely Zoom for the most part too and networking. But I also think too, being able to be online, I've met so many people at once instead of, you know, just being at a network event and only being able to speak to one person at a time, you're able to see a lot of different people and connect in ways that we would not have even been able to connect before the pandemic. So even though a lot of, you know, not so great things have happened with the pandemic, of course, loss of lives and, you know, our country being shut down, I think it's really brought us together more 
And it's brought people together once again, who we wouldn't even have met. Now I have a group that I meet with. Uh, one person's in Pakistan, one person's in Abu Dhabi, one person is in Nigeria, and the other person is in the Netherlands. And we meet once a week. I would have never even met them, um, you know, if it hadn't have been for the pandemic and if it hadn't have been for connection. So once again, I truly believe that our net worth is our network. What about you, Jesse? <laughs> the importance of networking, like I said, you networked already with your friends and your associates that you grew up with, but I'm sure that as a business, y'all have been networking with a lot of new people that are helping the business take off, including some from around here. So I'd love to hear from you, Brian and Courtney, about the importance of networking to y'all's endeavor in this bourbon field. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Here's to getting back together, to planned lunches and unplanned cookouts, to grandma's recipes and smells that take us back, to passing down plates and traditions. Here's to warm embraces and familiar faces, to your best friends becoming best friends, to scheming, dreaming, and food still steaming. Here's to laughter and love, to growing closer than ever. For all of life's get-togethers, Chinette, here's to us. Sure. Um, um, we actually did it in, in Georgia over the weekend, and and it was our first event. We actually put our bottles out to the public, and and our phones have have not stopped ever since that um, um, event. There's people reaching out to us from multiple fields, um, Hawaii, Australia. It was just an amazing event. So um, networking can be powerful, and and it seems like the common theme on this. Um, a um, panel is that everybody really, really, um, I guess the pandemic really, really made everybody a lot more powerful. I think it was a sign, a sign that we all needed to slow down and refocus because I wouldn't ever reached out to Courtney um, or Brian if it wasn't for the pandemic, to be honest. So, so uh, it's very powerful too on the networking is. Yeah. What about you, Brian? And uh, we even coming back to Matt and uh, Nikki, have you been thinking about, and I guess I'll come back to Jesse on that question as well, but are y'all committed to uh, keeping the job? Because I know y'all also have regular jobs as well. So are you committed to them staying in those regular job lanes or are you looking at even like at some point this being the main job? Because I oftentimes think of a difference between a job and a career. To me, uh, the career is that thing that you love, whereas a job is something that you go to for that nine to five feeling and all of that. But I was wondering where y'all were with that and also the importance of a network. Um, go, go ahead, Brian, I'm sorry. I was gonna say the networking has been uh, really integral to our growth as far as the company. Um, the established relationships we have outside of business as what create, creates our larger you know, network for us to reach to Poland and other countries and become more available worldwide. So without those those friendships and and really business ships, however you know these people have become to become in our lives over time, they've helped us foster our business beyond just our borders or what the people who we know. Um, it's it's 
it's the only way to grow all in my opinion you you could you could have a great product but if you have a small network you're only going to have a small scope so opening it up to to everyone you know is is the way to go so that's my feeling on networking yeah what about you Courtney? and i'll come back to that whole thing about having the job versus uh and trying to maintain a uh creating an entrepreneurship business while also working because i know dickie had done that also yeah uh just to touch on the networking i mean you guys have all said some amazing things and and, and all those things that we're we're thinking about in this stage of our uh of our business um networking is very very uh powerful in our business because without networking we can't reach the masses and i think it's important to um, broaden that that scope right and i think um, during the pandemic um we've had the opportunity to like nikki mentioned um just capture i mean just be be uh, a part of different groups a larger group you know we can we reach people in different countries uh we're reaching out to folks that we haven't talked to in years uh and we were only able to do that through networking through uh, social media platforms through, through Zoom, through uh, I've been on so many Zoom calls and so many Skype calls and uh, you know all these video calls all day and and I think that's all about networking. It's all about you know getting in front of people and I think um, the pandemic has helped us do that and I think it's very important to our business. No, oh, yeah, definitely, uh, Jesse. If I can come back to that other question, I didn't want to come to my as well. But well, how are y'all feeling? Because I do sometimes have friends of mine that want to launch businesses, but they've also got the nine to five jobs, and sometimes they feel that the nine to five jobs are what's stopping them from going after their business. But y'all are doing that balancing act, and it seems to be working for you. Because as I recall, all three of you still have nine to five jobs in addition to the work that y'all are doing in terms of creating this business. Sure. Hey, all of us are in corporate America. Um, Courtney works for ESPN. Brian, he works for the government. And I'm a pharmaceutical engineer. So hey, so I always tell these guys, have a safe exit, but do it safely. So mm-hmm. that's been our thing. So so we are gearing hey, towards actually exiting safely. But um, hey, we're going to do it smart. Hey, smart. If it comes to the point where, hey, where we have to choose, choose the love is going to be with our company hands down. So, so we'll hey, do it smart. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and everything. Do y'all have any more comments on that, Brian and Courtney? And how was it with you, Nikki? Because like I said, you were pretty much almost forced to go into it and everything. Oh, Jesse, I don't know why everybody else gets the easy way, playing it smart and a smart exit. I feel like the Lord always requires me to go cold turkey. And I'm like, Lord, do you remember? I'm a single parent and I have a teenager and I'm trying to do it all by myself. So after a few years, when the Lord called me to quit my government job and I started the you know, foundation, still was doing everything by myself. I got into a great home-based business. I was a supervisor making good money. I had been there for about two and a half years. And about three and a half, four weeks ago, I felt, I'm not supposed to be here anymore. I started purpose really pulling on, pulling on me to launch a coaching business for women because I'm an encourager and inspirer and an uplifter anyways. That's what I do. And I have been doing it on the side and I felt, oh my God, I felt the same way I felt back in Ohio. I said, Lord, please no. I, I really felt that as Mark said, my nine to five was getting in the way. And I took a week off and I had to get myself together and had to talk with myself. How could I stay in my nine to five when I knew exactly what my purpose was and that nine to five was no longer my purpose? So once again, here I go. I'm like, 
I know what I've been called to do. And if this is where I, what I've been called to do, then I know doors will open. I hadn't even told anyone that June 1st, I was walking away from my full-time position, not a safe exit, Jesse. I did not have an exit plan. It was like, hey, I'm going for the island and I'm gonna burn the boats behind me. So remember June 1st, I felt I have to give this job up. I was so nervous. Do you know, out of nowhere, Dr. Kendall sends me the message about the Black Business Expo, and then I get another message and another message. Like, doors started to open on May 31st because I had already put it out in the atmosphere in my home. I hadn't even told anybody that I was doing this on June 1st. And when I tell you the doors that have opened the past 14 days is unbelievable. I am so overwhelmed in a good way, if, if that is, you know, a thing with so many opportunities, radio shows and, and, and interviews and magazines. And I'm like, whoa, but see, I had to bet on myself this time and believe that, hey, I have to give it all that I have to give it because I know this is my purpose. And I realized I could no longer stay at my nine to five. So a lot of people aren't as radical as I am. And I'm thinking, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Let's say if I can't pay a few bills, let's say if I can't, what I'm doing and what I'm creating, this will all be a memory. And as we say in the military, life is all about the story. So, hey, yeah, I, I quit my job and I'm starting this business and I can say, guess what? I had to rearrange some bills for a couple of you know months. Things did getting paid, but look where I'm at now. Look at the lives I'm touching now. And if I continue to show up and serve, the money will come. So Mark, for, for the people that they're nine to five are holding them back and they're stuck, frustrated, overwhelmed, unhappy, unfulfilled, like where I was, I'm not gonna tell you to quit your job, but I, what I am gonna say is really believe in yourself, bet on yourself, have a plan, and it can be done. You can walk away, even as Jesse said, in a safe way, but it can be super overwhelming trying to juggle both. True. And true. true. Yeah. And I just want to put back, Mark. I mean to cut you off, but no, it's about that June first date. Um, because we hit um our one year anniversary on June first. Uh, I woke up on June first, twenty twenty, and I had a vision for this company. And one year later, so yeah. It's something about that June first date. That's, that's first. amazing to me. So, yeah, sometimes that June first, or sometimes there's just a date that has that kind of significance. And everything. I was going to bring Maya back into the conversation because one of the things that I was curious about and everything was that a lot of times we don't think about the dream stealers and all of that. And I know even in the pageant world and in the business world. So I want to hear from everybody, including Matt. And I've actually had this conversation with a number of folks on this show and a couple of the other streaming shows that I've had which is those folks that oftentimes want to discourage us from what we're accomplishing. So I guess I'll start with you, Maya. So how did you deal with those dream stealers? Because I'm sure that there were folks even in your high school and in your colleges that were sitting there going like, Maya, why are you trying to be Miss North Carolina and want to be Miss America? It's not worth it. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to give you anything. And they're basically trying to do the various dream stealing aspects of what goes on. So I'd love to hear how you dealt with that. And uh, then I'd love to hear from the other panelists as well as to how they dealt with it. Cause I've, I'm oftentimes frustrated by two groups of folks and I'll bring the other ones out as well. And the other one is actually gonna involve a uh, friend of your mom, but we'll start with the dream stealers. But Ray Pascal has this uh, term that he uses about folks that are um, what he calls the brain drain folks. And I'll explain what that means 
after we talk about the dream stealers, but definitely how do you deal with the folks that are dream stealers? So my internet, it's not my friend right now. So wave or something if you can't hear me. <laughs> but I, it's so interesting because there have been so many people in the past 10 years of my life and beyond who have asked that question of why do you continue to do this? Uh, it, I didn't win my local title on my first try. It took me about five times when I decided to compete for Miss North Carolina to even win a local title. And someone asked my mom, why is she doing this again? And one, I truly believe that the woman that I'm gonna present in eight days is going to be the reason why. So just you wait to those people who have, you know, discouraged and have naysayed for so long. But people don't realize, like I attest to earlier, of the different things that pageants can bring you. We talked earlier about, I heard everyone talk about the connections they make. And my mom has always reiterated to me that it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And so through the pandemic, and I know we're talking about the positive things that have come through such a crazy, crazy time in the past 15 months of our lives, but every woman is uh, supposed to have a platform or a social impact initiative as we call it now. And mine is the arts. I've grown up in theater arts and have grown up in that aspect and truly believe that the arts have shaped my life. So when the world shut down and live theater and live performances shut down, I didn't really know what to do to promote this platform that I've been doing for 10 years. So I decided to take everything virtually. And I've been doing virtual interviews with artists and hold spaces for them for eight months and allow them to come on my platform and talk. I've raised money for community theaters all across our state. And uh, to what Nikki was saying, I was in a nine to five that I was not happy with. I kept preaching to others, defining your happiness and going to places where you're being nurtured and grown. And I was not there. So I went to my mother and I said, I'm quitting my job. And that was not a fun conversation because my mother did not agree with me. I said, I don't have a plan right now, but I know I don't need to be here. So literally a week later, I received an email from the CEO of North Carolina Theater and said, hey, we have this job, we're recrafting it and we think you'd be perfect for it. And it was because of that outreach that I had done through the arts where I was on a Zoom, I had an email Monday, was on a Zoom call Tuesday and was signing paperwork on Thursday. And for the past six months, I have been the communications manager at North Carolina Theater. And that is through the connections that I've made. And going back, that's through the skills I've learned through pageants. I would have never been in this opportunity without having that platform and having the access and tools through the Miss America organization. I would not be in this job and I truly believe that. No, so definitely. to the naysayers, I don't keep those people around. <laughs> Understood. Matt, what about you? I'm sure that you had people that were sitting there going like, what, you're going to create a ticket company? There's already ticket masters. There's already this and that. Oh, I'm sure you've heard plenty of naysayers. So how did you deal with them and what was your reaction to them? Well, I, you know, everyone, I think there's a misunderstanding part of what I'm doing because I still outreach to people just looking to discuss and they're like, well, we already have tickets or we're all going mobile. And I said, yeah, that's, that's why we exist. But I, uh, I, I left my full-time job uh, about a year ago and I had a lot of people telling me, you know, why don't you just stay until the business takes off a little bit. And, you know, it's, I was making very good money and uh, had, I was, had a very flexible schedule, but um, I, I feel like it, I needed to go all in and, 
it, I wouldn't be able to be where I am today if I was still working. So I'd have more money, but my my future, my career, my you know, I'm building my empire here, and it wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd be uh, so far behind. So you know, I'd rather be ahead of the game. I, I did a good job of of saving. You know, up until the point that I left to where I said, look, I I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to be able to to hold off and and not make money, knowing. Even if the pandemic wasn't didn't happen, I still wouldn't have made any money in the first year, most likely, because it's hard to get everything going and get you know it's a there's a lot of timing with events, you know you got to talk to them at the right time and get to the right person. And so it also took me time to just change my whole LinkedIn from my old job to you know the new one, which I didn't announce until April one when I was done and I was officially uh, free. So. But I, you know, like everyone else, you just you, you feel it's what you have to do. Uh, betting on yourself, I'll, I'll bet on myself all day, every day, and I got a great uh, support team. And even though they probably would have preferred and thought I should have stayed, they were supportive in uh, whatever I needed. But um, it's tough. It's it's you know, there's no one to tell someone, hey, you need to stay or you need to go. Uh, I think if you're not happy in life wherever you are, a job or relationship where you're living, you should do whatever you can to change that. And because um, it's just, you know, we don't, we don't know how long uh, life is going to be. It can be short sometimes and um, just got to be happy. That's really the most important thing for me is being happy and the people around me that I care about being able to spend time with them. Everything else is just, uh, you know, the end uh, means to an end. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Courtney, if I'm remembering correctly, you're the one that works at ESPN, and I'm sure that folks were probably definitely telling you that you had lost your mind trying to start a bourbon company when you're working for a major sports franchise and all of that. So they're probably like, you've got the dream job. Why are you trying to create a business empire with your two best uh, high school friends and everything when you've got what some people would consider a dream job because I've got friends that work in like some of the networks, whether it's ABC or some of the film communities and definitely ESPN is one that we're always paying attention to me being a sports fan. And also so are probably like, Hey Courtney, you've got the great job. Why are you even bothering? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's a good point. You know, I, you know, um, ESPN was my dream job. You know, I've been with the company for 21 years and um, it's just like, Hey, this is my retirement plan. I'm looking at what, what I want to do, um, after the after ESPN, and so I, I told I told Jesse, I was like, look, you know, this I'm playing I'm playing a long game here. I've got a window, you know, of of, of when I want to get out, and um, you know, we, we we had a lot of conversations about you know kind of what what that looks like, and um, yeah, and I got a lot of uh, eye rolls and kind of like, are you crazy? What are you doing? But I'm doing it for me, and and I think that you know I, I've done the corporate you know thing. I've done that. You know, I don't want to do something that uh, that kind of brings wealth and, and, and generates income for me outside of a corporation, right? And so I want to I want to put all that energy into myself, put all that energy into my family, and uh, create generation generational wealth. Uh, because working for a job um, doesn't make you rich, right? You're, you're making the corporation rich, right? And so um, I want to be that corporation. I want to I want to put that money back into me, right? Because um, I know my worth. Um, you know, I know, I know what I, what I want. And, um, and that, that for me, it's just confirmation that, Hey, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right track. You know, I linked up with these guys, they found me and I, and I appreciate that. And, um, and it was just like, Hey, I was at that point where I'm like, all right, it's time for something new, you know, it's time for something different. 
Um, but again, I'm at my dream job. I'm not unhappy. I love my job. I love what I do. Uh, I love sports. Um, but it's time to take that next step, right, in my career and in, in, in my personal growth, and 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 and, and do something that I want to do. My passion. I'm very passionate about bourbon. I'm very passionate. I mean, it's, it's a part of my lifestyle, right? And so um, I'm very passionate about that. And so I want to just pour into that. But yeah, I, I, I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of people who are just like rolling their eyes at me, like you know, you know. But uh, you know, yeah. I, I can't live for them. I, I got to be happy. I got to do what I want. You know, what yeah, you definitely for gotta live for them right? and everything. And I'd love to hear from Brian and Jesse and definitely uh, Nikki as about that as well. But before we get to that, I did have two other quick sports questions for you, Courtney. And one of them is the fact that um, well, we're in the middle of the. Uh, NBA and all of that, the NBA playoffs, I'm actually rooting for a certain team because I've got a bias going on because I actually root for teams not <clears throat> always based on geography or things of that nature. I do root for the Durham Bulls because of geography and some of our Carolina teams because of geography and living here. But I also follow around Doc Rivers. So wherever Doc Rivers is at, I'm rooting for his team because we went to school together. So I'm rooting for the 76ers this year and everything, whereas I was rooting for the Clippers last year. So it's kind of like I'm always following Doc around to wherever he's at and rooting for him and some of our other warriors that or that's what they were called when I was there. I might be torn if he has to go against the Phoenix Suns since Jay Crowder is over there. So I might be a little torn at that point. But Doc, I've got a longer relationship with in terms of being a fan, even though it's been years since we've seen each other. But my question for you is, um, and a two-part question, and they're totally different, but then I'll come back to the dream killers and everything. But one is we definitely saw a lot of our NBA's athletes take a cause up and become activists. And now a lot of that was around Black Lives Matter. And I was just wondering, as one that has worked in ESPN and seen our sports folks, some of your thoughts around that. Because I definitely saw both the WNBA and the NBA players and the NFL players pick up the mantle and have a conversation around some of the important issues, whether that was Black Lives Matter or even some of the things that we're seeing with the Asian community and the Latin American community. So I was just wondering some of your thoughts on that. And then my other question, which is totally off that ball and everything, is some of if you could share some of your own experiences with some of the athletes and everything. I'm sure Matt, who's a sports guy, might like to hear some of those as well. <laughs> no, um, I, 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 you know, for your first question, um, I, I think it's very important for athletes to uh, to speak up and, and to have a voice. You know, I don't think they should shut up and dribble, right? Um, you know, they they should definitely have a voice and and, and they have that plot, that platform. And, um, you know, it, it's very important to uh, to express, you know, uh, how are you feeling about change and, and how, how badly we want and we need change uh, in our society today. And I think, um, you know, I encourage it. I encourage LeBron James. Every time he has a press conference, he's always talking about social injustice. He's always talking about things that um, are relevant and prevalent, very prevalent in these times. So um, I, I commend him. I commend those guys. Um, you know, I, I even in my small um, uh, platform that I have, I always try to speak up. If I see something that's that, that's not right in corporate, I always try to speak up and say something about it because I think so many times that you know we, we just stay silent. 
Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, fall style. Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Kohl's. Of course you did. I got a cute Kara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of Vans. Love Vans. And save 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Kohl's card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store Kohl's.com for details. At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks. Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com about about things because we want to you know be secure in, in our position right and so i think now it's very important to uh to stand up and, and to speak out against uh racial injustice and things that are not right um so yeah i definitely commend uh, those those guys for that uh, it's, it's very important and then the second part um the second question there you had any stories that you want to share about your own sports experiences having that 20 years if there were any athletes and i'm sure there have been many you just mentioned lebron that differently touched you in your own career and your own thoughts and your own interactions with them yeah i think uh i think the one that sticks out for me is magic johnson magic uh i used to work with magic for years on nba countdown and we used to have in-depth conversations on the set and uh, magic told me one day he said uh he said, when I go home, I just go to my mom's house and everybody has to come to my mom's house to see me. And he gets a lot of flack for that because everybody, all his buddies always say, oh, you're too good to come by. You're too good to hang out with us. And he's like, well, you know, I have a, have a larger responsibility. Right. And he's, he can't put himself in a position where um, something, something could happen, something, you know, anything could happen. It's Magic Johnson. Right. And so it, it's important to um to go home and to, um, you know, spend time with your family and to know where you come from, right? And it's important to give back to your community, but in certain situations, you can't be in, you can't put yourself out there uh, in every situation, right? And so that was like, and we used to have like conversations like that. I mean, this is Magic Johnson I'm talking to, right? And so for me, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I was a huge uh, Lakers fan growing up. Um, and so just to be able to sit down and talk to him about life um, was very, very uh, special for me. And uh, that was one of my most, um, you know, and then the second the second best uh, uh, situation that I, I found myself in was I was in the locker room uh, with Kobe Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were doing an uh, a interview with Kobe and he's just sitting in the locker room, like two feet in two ice buckets, head down, just, just drenched in sweat, right? And he looked up and he was like, hey kid, what do you want to say? And I was actually hanging, I was actually like with a microphone, right? And I, it was, I, I didn't have a reporter because I was just going in to get some quick sound. I just froze up. I, did, I didn't know what to say. I was like, this is my, I, one of my idols is Kobe Bryant. He just looked up, he looked right at me. And he was like, hey kid, what do you want to say? And I just, I froze up. And then I finally got out of it and I said, you know, I love you, Kobe, you're the greatest. And that was a, a true fan moment, right? And he was just like, all right, <laughs> got it. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it was the most embarrassing thing. But it was—I mean—that's one of the things that like just stuck with me in, in my young career um, with ESPN. And I just had that opportunity. That I was just in those. I found myself in those situations, um, 
that you know those are like lifetime memories. So those are my two kind of uh, fan moments or, or, or you know. Well, before I, I get to Brian, because sometimes questions pop into my head as I'm going to these interviews and everything, before I get to Brian and the Dream Tales, I want to come back to Maya, because one of the things that I sometimes feel happens with the pageant, and particularly American pageant, is that a lot of times the contestants will give these great answers. And this was before the pageant about, you know, what are we going to do to better the world and all of that? But they seem to be although almost like a little bit surface, a little bit rehearsed and things of that nature. And that's always been the complaint about them and everything. So I was just wondering your thoughts about that, because like I said, you know, you'll hear people saying, you know, I want world peace. I want this and I want that. But it's definitely the very general kind of statements. Whereas a lot of times I think that the fans are looking for a little bit more detailed reaction and everything, but they get this kind of uh, rehearsed version of kind of the, simple accolades of what they want in the world, whether that's end hunger, world peace, or things of that nature. So I'm sure that that's something that you also get flack about as well. Well, I definitely do want world peace. So let's let's get that clear. <laughs> but I, I would have to say this past year changed the game for everyone. And especially for women who look like me, competing in a pageant and let's be real for two seconds that wasn't created for women who look like me and we had a lot of tough needed conversations within the organization especially in north carolina what what can we do to be at the forefront of supporting all of the women in the organization and so i am very thankful that i have been able to speak out for things that are passionate that I'm passionate about. I think uh, to piggyback off of what Courtney said, you know, no athlete should not have to just shut up and dribble. And women who compete in pageants shouldn't have to just shut up and smile. That we are smart women and there are things that we are passionate about. And it was very hard sometimes for me to get on this platform and be this role model on social media when I had just watched someone be murdered in real time. And so it was an opportunity for me. I know one, there was one post I posted and I said, it's hard right now. It's hard to show up right now. It's hard to be this role model. And that, that shows that I'm authentic and real, that I, every day is not a good day. And that is what we need to see more of in this organization. And I hope that I can be at the forefront of that as well, is that we need role models that show we're real and we go through real emotions, but we also are passionate about social justice issues for everyone. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Brian, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the Dream Stealers. And if I can loop it in to the other conversation as well, we've seen a lot of people dealing with diversity and inclusion and they're creating diversity and inclusion offices in corporate America. But sometimes you have to wonder how much of that is just lip service in order to help and say that they are doing something in that space and not actually doing diversity and inclusion. So I just wondering your thoughts on both of those, both the dream stealers and also those folks that are creating these diversity and um, inclusion initiatives around everything. This is Pride Month. So we're also seeing around not just uh, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, but also the LGBTI community, as well as the Asian community with what's been happening with them and even our Latin American brothers and sisters. But I was just wondering to help how you feel corporate America is doing in terms of addressing these issues? Um, still, there's still a, a gap between what is said and actually what is occurring. I can more than tell you on, on many occasions that I'm the only black face within the uh, boardroom. Um, I've reached a level um, of work that I do for the government that, you know, I'm, I'm only there to fix issues. So 
when I walk into the room, I look around, there's not, there's maybe one other. Um, mm -hmm. What really transformed me as far as that goes is um, there was an outgoing uh, GS 18, 17, some, some super high level um, uh, elder uh, black guy. And uh, he looked over to me, you know, he was there to, to try to reorganize our, our department. He looked at me, he said, look, man, you're the next generation. You got to do this. And I, I mean, you know, hey, I'm just sitting there like, dude, I just do nothing but program. <laughs> what can I change, you know, um, in that in that regard? What can I what can I do? You know, um, at this at this point in my life, I was I was just overworking myself because I thought being busy meant being successful. I was, you know, working nine to five and then at seven to seven a.m. at the fire department. I would literally have only two hours to myself a day. Um but after talking to him and, and maybe this lends into what Nikki did, you know, speaks about, I, you know, and it's all God, you know, and then I, I, I went from working 52, you know, weeks a year to 25 weeks a year. Um, I negotiated my own contracts, my own 401k, my own, my own uh, health care benefits. And that that gave me that empowered me to, uh, you know, be be more assertive when I came into the boardroom. But uh Watershed moment I've shared with Jesse, and uh, it's the only—it's probably the only other time in my life as a grown man I've ever felt like crying. I was in, interviewing for Bridgewater, the number one hedge fund in the uh, in the world. Um, the guy said, "Oh man, I don't want to talk about your accolades or anything." He said, "I want to know if I—if you—if your boss is doing something wrong, and you know it, would you go tell on him?" I said, "Nah, there's no way I'd get fired. You know, there's not—it's not possible." Um, and he said, well, you know what? You need to go back in your life and figure out why you can't do that. But you're not you're not fit for this job. And and I mean, dude, I was in the car crying tears. I cannot believe that I was absolutely qualified for this position. But the one thing that I did not have was a soft skill that, you know, hey, I'm African-American. I'm in corporate. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to you're in lockstep, you know, eggshells, whatever, you know, description you want to to bring to the table to describe who you are within that, that global that global system of, of that. But um, since then, oh man, it, you know, it, it God stepped in. That was the guy I needed to talk to. And now when I walk in these boardrooms, hey, yeah, okay, I'm the only one, but just know, like I used to sneak people into the new movie theater when I was in high school. I'm sneaking a couple of guys in behind me. <laughs> They're coming in, I'm gonna keep the door propped open. So um, that's, what, that's what it takes. It takes, you know, it's gonna take somebody to go in there and be okay with, taking those shots and swimming with the sharks and, and being tested to, to bring in the other African-Americans or persons of color. Um, so now, you know, when they look at me, they see the others and, and it's okay. So yes, it, it takes one to step out um, to, to, to just take the brunt for everybody. Just like the guy who was the first black, you know, pilot, you know, he wouldn't even put his face on his actual application. Uh, <laughs> in, in the year 2020, I'm still doing that now just so I can get an interview. So these are the things that generationally have to be, you know, have to be taught, you know, they have to be spoke about. This is what I've done. This is what you may have to do so that you can open the doors for others. So until these, these are no longer things that have to be practiced within the African-American community, they will continue to foster and fester on. Now, one of the conversations, and then I definitely want to hear from Jesse, but one of the conversations that was happening at the Black Business Olympics, and they did a couple of, most of them were uh, 
individuals giving speeches like what Nikki did and like what Bruce George did, but there were a couple of panel discussions. And I know one of them was a barbershop discussion. They had a sister talk, but they also had a barbershop discussion. And part of what they discussed was the code switching that goes on in corporate America. So Jesse, if you're thinking about the dream stealers, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that code switching as well. Cause that was one of the things that came up in the barbershop conversation was how you sometimes have to put on a different mindset if you're in that corporate America where it may be a majority white audience and all of that. So I was just wondering how you deal with that in corporate America. Um, um, I actually learned it from Brian a long time ago. Um, I was actually in the military and my grandmom my passed away and I was at Brian house and Brian was interviewing for a job. And I mean, he was just talking and, and he went downstairs to take the call and, and I heard someone talking and I, I leaned over the steps like, who is this guy talking? I had no clue it was Brian, but it was that code switching that he felt he had to do to do that. So I didn't understand it at the time. And and I started teaching a diversity and inclusion for Caterpillar about 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. and I was teaching it. And a guy told me that um, I wasn't expecting this from you. And I was like, what do you mean you wasn't expecting it from me? He felt because I'm a black man, ex-military, tattooed up, I was supposed to check the boxes. And um, and a lot of companies who I was giving this message to was doing this for the initiative standpoint. Like, like I need to do this because it's what we're supposed to do versus versus living it. So so I've seen it from both sides. And and Brian actually helped me realize, like, you know, sometimes you got to put that face on. But once I started teaching it, the more authentic I was, the more the messages got across. And so so I kind of seen it from both sides and I learned that. But I do want to quote. I'm not going to tell you who the quote is from because it might take away from it. But he said, you can let the dream stealers steal your self-esteem or use your arrogance as the steam to power your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually came from Kanye West. I wasn't going to say his name because he's so controversial. But but that line has taught me to to like. I stutter. I always stuttered growing up. So I was hesitant to put myself out there. But now I don't care. I don't care is that I have a message and I'm going to get it out there. So, so I'm so arrogant in the message. I don't care how the delivery comes off. So, so I'm up in, in front of fortune 500 companies stuttering and I get an applause because the message is where it needed to be. So, so that's yeah, what um, Nikki, I imagine you probably have to deal with it as well. And maybe even on a three prong force because you're African-American, you're woman and you're also military. So I'm thinking that you probably have to like do a whole lot of code switching between all of the various ways that you have to present yourself to corporate America. Even when you're going into this new version of trying to get your message out as you're creating your nonprofit and everything. So I'm imagining because my mom actually worked in the nonprofit world. She was the first president of the Golden Leaf Foundation. So I know how the nonprofit world can also have a little bit of code switching going on as well. But I'm just wondering your thoughts about how you deal with that. Definitely. And Jesse, like you said, my 14 year old daughter had the same experience probably a few years ago, heard me on the phone or somewhere. She says, mom, how do you do that? How do you like you can be a one place talk like this and be in another place talk like this and you can do that. You, you, you're just so relatable to everybody. And you're right. We we definitely have to wear a lot of hats. African-American, female, military, nonprofit, entrepreneur, radical for the Lord, you know, and I can't be all that in one place. And 
you know, when you have as an entrepreneur or even before you step out and become an entrepreneur, you have these big dreams and goals and, and all these great ideas that you want to accomplish, that you want to do. And we want people to be happy for us. We want people to rejoice with us and cheer us on. But I've come to find out that just because I dream big doesn't mean other people dream big. And they mean well because some people, you know, mean well, trying to keep you in the box, trying to keep you safe. But when you have something that's inside you that you know you have to let out, you have to get used to surrounding yourself around the people with the same mindset as you. So when you do have a naysayer come, especially for my nonprofit, people think I'm nuts. The things that I'm still trying to get done before the end of this year. And they're just like, you know, you can't do that. You don't have a lot of impact stories. You, you, you haven't been around enough to ask that much money for a grant. I'm like, look, this is what needs to get done. So I had to learn, you know, as Jesse said, come off with the delivery, but be confident in myself and not to let those people steal my dreams because they are my dreams and they're not in them. You know, and I had to overcome a lot of different limiting mindset beliefs myself that I teach my clients to work through too. limiting belief. Like I can't do that. You know, I'm a degreed person. And then I think, well, I don't have a degree in that. I can't do that. And you think you can't do these things until one day you realize I can do anything I set my mind to. That's what we tell the kids growing up, our children, nieces and nephews. But why do we lose that along the way? Why do we think that we can't still do what's inside of us? So even with walking away at, at my job just a few weeks ago, I, I couldn't tell anybody. I, I was in a veterans meeting um, last the Thursday before I was supposed to quit and I hadn't told anybody. And I thought I was OK with it. Just like a panel like this, when it came time for me to speak, I just burst into tears. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was so embarrassed. But I had been holding it because I couldn't share it with anybody that I had to step out and fulfill this purpose that I was being called to do. So you kind of have to get in a space to have tough skin and deal with your mindset daily and encourage yourself daily to know that if you put your mind to it, you definitely can do it. Yeah, definitely. I understand that. And everything. Yeah, I saw this. I saw this quote the other day and it said, don't expect other people to understand the dream that God has given you. It wasn't a conference call. And so that's something that sticks with me too. Like no one else was on the call. So no one else is expected to understand the dream. No, that makes a lot of and sense. We can't keep trying to make people uh, understand and we can't even keep trying to explain. We don't even need to explain because they're not going to get it. Now, that's very true. One of the things I was going to ask you, Maya, and um, it actually comes back to some of the conversation that we were having and everything was um, Nikki was talking about the fact that she's got her 14 year old daughter there. And you're actually on the opposite side of that because you were actually eight years ago, that 14 year old daughter and your mom was over there working at the Carolina Theater and everything. So what advice would you give for her in terms of dealing with her teenage daughter as they are in this new city and everything? Because you actually had that opposite experience of being the uh, teenage daughter, even though you're now a young adult, but you were definitely the teenage daughter hanging around the Carolina theater some eight years ago and everything. So what kind of advice would you give to Nikki as she's in the motherhood role based on your own mother, Cora? Oh man, I could brag about my mother all day long if we had the opportunity. Uh, I, I think one of the things that continues to stick out about my mother and the way the relationship that we have is that she always listens to me not to respond, but listens to understand. And we are 
very different in some aspects. We're very alike in some aspects as well. But she allowed me to express my feelings. And I will never forget, I was about eight years old. We were staying outside of a Girl Scout meeting. And my mom said something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I asked, why? And this lady standing next to my mom said, you let your children ask you why? And my mom turned to the lady very calmly, because if you know my mom, she's a very calm woman. She doesn't get out of her character. And she said, if I don't let her ask why, she'll never know. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me years later, is that I'm always, I have the opportunity to ask why. And now when I am in corporate America, uh, there was an incident that came up the other day at work. And my boss said, I think we should do this. And I said, but what's the purpose behind it? Why? And when we all sat back, we were like, wow, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe this isn't what we should be doing. And that has given me the confidence to take on the world. And so my mom's my biggest supporter. So that's it. Just be be your child's biggest cheerleader, which I'm sure you already are. Thank you, Maya. Mark, that was an excellent, excellent oh, I question. Love that. Right. Start with why. Maya, do you know I, I get a lot that. of flack because me and my daughter are so close? But as that teenager, you're right. I allowed her to ask why. And my mom is just like, you know, what you explain to her too much. But mm-hmm. I had to learn to be my daughter's coach of life. And that was tough, you know, because I'm, I'm mom. I'm military. It's a military household around here. You don't ask me why I get an order. But I had to allow I had to be her coach to teach her about life, you know, and and she's three feet, four feet taller than me. So I'm the little mom around the house. And I'm like, I'm still your mom. Don't don't forget that. But you're right, Maya, and I, I appreciate that because just allowing you know her to express herself and and talk to me, even times when there's some things I don't want to hear, but we talk it out. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's great that you said that, and and I appreciate that. Excellent question, Mark. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. No, oh, yeah, glad to do that and everything. One of the other things I was going to ask, and it comes back to another friend of uh, mine, and Maya knows this person as well, and I was going to come back to their conversation, and it kind of shifts it a little bit. But one of the things that a good friend of mine, Ray Pasco, talks about, and he used to be the rental coordinator at the Haytai, I mean, at the uh, Carolina Theater. He talks about the folks that are brain-drained folks. So they're folks that want to get your information, they want to get your knowledge, they want to get all of the things that you have accessible access to 
but they don't necessarily want to give you the rewards or the pay for it and things of that nature. So I'd love to hear from all of y'all how you deal with those folks that are going to be not just the dream stealers, but the brain drain, meaning that they want to get what you have to offer, but they don't necessarily want to give you any sort of reward for it. And that can be the fiscal reward, or it can also be rewards uh, that it can be out there in other ways, because you don't always have to have the financial rewards, but they just want to give the information and use the information for their own uh wherewithal or whatever but i'd love to hear so i'll start with you jesse jesse and everything so uh what would be your answer to that and then i'm going to just continue the conversation but i think i heard a knock on my door so i'm going to drop off camera for a second but i will be right back and i am still listening so if you'll give that answer while i see what that knock was sure um hey brian and i have a lot of conversations every single day and one of the things that we do we 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 have an individual who we are both friends with who who don't really believe in what we're doing, but um, he'll call me every night and ask me for for advice on how to get my trademarks, how you do business this way. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't believe in what I'm doing, but you want to pull every knowledge out of my brain. And it's like, and it's frustrating, but, you know, I do have to realize that, you know, I was once that guy, a guy, I made a phone call to this dude. Um, I wanted to start my own bourbon company. I was praying to God that he said no and uh, and go back to bed. But he was like, let's do it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I was that guy on the phone, phone, calling people or trying to get friends. And and so I can't turn people away, way, because I was fortunate enough to have those resources to me. So even though I know they don't believe in me publicly, I know that they respect us enough to ask us questions. So I can't can't not be available for them because it was people that probably shouldn't have been available for us. And and we are where we are because of those people. So yeah, I'm going to miss a blessing or not be a blessing because because I, I feel some type of way about them asking me. I'm sure that I'd love to hear from even Matt. Matt, I'm sure that you've had folks that have wanted your skill sets, your knowledge, even some of your corporate knowledge, and don't necessarily want to give you the rewards for that. So I'd love to hear how you deal with those folks that are the brain drains or the talent drains as well. You can also call it a talent drain. Yeah, I'm just going to continue those thoughts. Um, I posted the other day on LinkedIn that, you know, everybody needs help. The most successful people wouldn't be where they are without getting help. Um, and I need help. So I'm happy to help people that I can. And I'm going to ask people for help when I need it. Uh, there's always going to be people who are takers. I'm a taker and a giver. So I don't ever have, uh, I don't ever feel bad about asking people for help. Some people can help me. I can help some people. But um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's almost like someone's stealing. Like if they needed it more than you did, right, you just kind of feel bad for someone because they're doing something they shouldn't. And maybe they don't know. I, I'm, I kind of consider myself a dis, bit of a disruptor. I'm, I'm happy to call people out on stuff because I would like people to call me out. So some people don't even know that's what they're doing. And um, but some people are always going to be like that. And. I don't like to reward people for bad behavior, but I'm I'm just going to keep helping and, and assuming the best out of people that they'll come and help me when I need it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What about you, uh, Nikki? How have you dealt with those folks that were talent drainers? And I love to hear from Brian and Courtney as well. Right. Because I am such a giver, encourager, inspirer, uplifter anyways, and that just comes so natural. Um, I had to also learn that some people, even when they're trying to, you know, be a brain drainer and get all the information out of your brain, 
you kind of learn to not give them too much because you see they're not going to implement it. They're really not ready. They're really not at that place really to receive, you know, the answer to the question of what they're asking because they just, like you said, want to drain your brain. But sometimes you feel like you're not really ready to implement this yet. You know, it yeah. takes some steps to implement what you're asking. I also had to learn since I'm in a personal service based business that I had to charge what I was worth because the things that I am sharing will get you results. But you have to be coachable, teachable and willing to do the work. And, uh, and some people, they want the knowledge and they want the steps, but they're not really willing. They're not ready yet. I, I, I believe people will get ready. But people sometimes aren't where they need to be when they're asking for the help that they that they're asking for. But even as Matt said, I'm a taker, too. I was on the phone with a colleague yesterday just draining her brain on, you know, the process of writing a book and what she went through. And so I'm definitely that same person, too. Even after the um, the um, the presentation yesterday, I had a couple of people reach out to me on LinkedIn via voice messenger, kind of telling me their life story on where they're at and what did they need to do. I quickly sent them a voice message right back, encouraging them, uplifting them, giving them advice and pumping them up. And I'm always there and willing to do that. Um, but when it comes to my service, I also had to take a step back and say, hey, you know, you're, you're, the knowledge you're given is worth more than that. So definitely had to start charging what I was worth as well. Hey, uh, Jesse, and along the same lines, how do you deal with that uh, whole thing of talent training? I want to add a little bit of uh, another twist to that because I sometimes find that in definitely corporate America, you're being pulled in so many different directions and you always want to help people and you always want to do your best job for everybody. I know that even in my own life, I am sometimes of a people pleaser and all of that, and you can't please everybody at the same time. So sometimes things get left to the side that you don't want to get left to the side or one is not done as effectively as the other one is done. So like you might be doing two uh, things at the same time and one gets your 100% and maybe the other one gets 75 or 60% and it's not is done effectively. So how do you cope with that? Because I know I've even had that happen. To be perfectly honest, it even happened during the Black Business Expo because I was given the organizer of that 100% and there was another client that I was not given the amount of uh, great, the amount of support that I should have given and all of that. So I was just wondering how do you deal with that and be able to balance doing all of this work when you've got maybe multiple clients as well as multiple endeavors? Um, it's hard to do. Uh, I got back to work after a three weeks, week absence. I had surgery, so I get back to work Monday and was told that we have a mock FDA recall. So, so I'm thinking like hey, the team is going to come together. Hey, so I go to a meeting and it's like, here, Jesse, run with this. And I'm like, so he was like, I know your expertise, you, you can do it, but there was no support there. So it was like, he was using that part, part of me to, to check his box. So you got to be careful of those type of people who just, who want you to do things versus, versus learning. So I'm like, no, we're going to do this hey, together because if I'm not here in two weeks, then um, it's not going to get done. So he was reluctant to do it, but we actually scored well. So he was gloating about it, but he, but he wouldn't have never had this opportunity if I wouldn't have forced him to do it. He was okay with dropping it on my desk, desk and going to his comfort space. And I'm like, no, no, we're doing this together. Let's go. So that holding their hands is what uh, you got to do. And sometimes, you know, 
No, I definitely agree with you on that. What about you, uh, Courtney? How do you deal with that? You know, like I said, you're over there in that ESPN land and everything, and I'm sure that there's people there that want to drain your brain and even want to sometimes even want to get to your network because, I mean, you're at ESPN, so I'm sure that you get the folks that are always asking you, well, how do you get in touch with, uh, say, Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley and all of those folks wanting to exploit it even in that regard, wanting to use your uh, – resources you have in order to get in touch with people and along those lines. Yeah, I, I, I get that a lot. And I think um, you just have to deal with people where they are. Right. And um, you put your time into the 80 percent, the other 20 percent. You don't you don't put your time into those folks because they only just want to to tap into uh, your resources and things and, 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 and not do much with it. Um, so. I just don't focus on, you know, on, on that, you know, I, I keep it going. I keep it pushing. I know what it took to get me to where I am today. Um, and I, I basically lay out that blueprint and say, Hey, here's how you get there. Here's how you do it. Right. And then I leave it up to them to, you know, to figure that out because I've left those little breadcrumbs there. Right. And so um, what, if they pick that up, they come back to me and they say, Hey, I need your help with this. I'm working on this. I'm doing this. Um, then I'll, then I, that, that piques my interest. I'm like, okay, if you're working on it and, and, and you're doing something to, to push yourself forward, then um, I'm all about helping. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time with folks who just, who just talk, you know, um, yeah. I, I keep it moving. No, that makes a lot of sense. My, I know you got to jump off and we're actually ready to wrap everything up in a few minutes, but you'll be the first one to jump off and everything. But one of the things I was going to say is if you can share with folks that are listening, how they can reach you, how they can support your run for Miss North Carolina, as well as uh, how they can support the uh, campaign, hopefully for Miss America, because I would love to be able to say that I knew a Miss America when they were a young child and everything. So definitely if you can share a little bit about that. And one of the things that I get all of my guests to do in the rest of them I will do as well on just about all of my shows is give their words of encouragement and support for our global community because the uh, network is seen on a global level. We have listeners and folks that are in South Africa, Malaysia, um, England, and a number of other places, as well as the various states here in the United States. So if you can tell folks how they can reach you, how they can stay in touch with you, and how they can support you and any words of encouragement that you have. Yes. So like I said, an eight days competition will begin for my final run for Miss North Carolina. And uh, I, I guess there is going to be a live stream on the final night, which I will share. You can follow me on Facebook. It's Miss Dunn 2020. On Instagram, it's at Miss Dunn underscore NC. And all of the updates will be shared on these platforms on what's going on during the week and how you can tune in and watch and support. If you are a faithful person, I am asking for lots of prayers during that week and leading up to the week. I am so at peace at what God is going to do. And so I'm hoping that people will continue to pray and keep me in their thoughts and just send positive vibes my way. And last, I guess my advice is I, as I'm closing this journey of pageantry and competing, I often think about the little girl that I once was. And the best advice I think I can think of that has been given to me that I want to exude onto young girls that I meet is to take up space and just continue to take up space that young women, young black women are a force to be reckoned with in our world. And we all we have to do is take up that space. So mm -hmm. I'd love to leave on that note. 
No, definitely. I did, can't let you totally leave. I got two other quick questions and everything. One is that folks are listening and they're probably wondering, she grew up in Durham. How was she misdone? So if you could absolutely, maybe briefly explain that and everything, because some folks may be wondering, because they do know some of our counties and they're going like, but she grew up in Durham. Should she be Miss Durham? But she's misdone instead and everything. So some folks may be wondering about that. So if you could clarify how that came about. And then I did have one other quick question, but definitely that clarification question. Yes, so that you're I'm glad you asked that because that is a huge question for people. So the way that this competition works is that you are able to qualify for counties that are surround you have to live, work, or go to school in the surrounding counties. So I work in Wake County, so was able to qualify for the Miss Dunn competition. And so one of the really cool things about competing is that you're able to represent a town that you might not have grown up in. So I've been able to represent Zebulon, Garner, and Dunn, just to name a few. And I've been able to be a part of those communities and meet so many people uh, from these communities and make those connections that we were talking about earlier from people all over our state. So I think that's also one of the things that uh, I believe makes me very qualified for being Miss North Carolina is that I already have these connections all across our state. Sounds great. And the last question I was going to ask you, and it actually comes back to where Aaron live on LinkedIn, in addition to some other places, is if folks are wanting to know your next step, because you just got the job at North Carolina Theater, but where do you see yourself five, 10 years down the line? And what is your goals and aspirations for yourself as you're stepping out of the pageant world and going into young adult life as a woman and everything. So what are some of the things that you're looking forward to accomplishing in the next five to 10 years? That was the other question. That question always scares me. So uh, because I would have never dreamed that I would be here in the job that I am in now and doing what I'm doing now. So I always am afraid to answer those five, 10 year questions. But as I am embarking on this new professional career in marketing and in theater, I'm able to combine both of the things that I love. So I'm hoping to continue to grow in that aspect. I say, I always joke that my dream changes every day. I never want to lose that childlike uh, attribute where one day I want to be this and one day I want to be that. And I'm happy with that. But right now, I would love to eventually open my own nonprofit business for um, artists. I was a scholarship kid. The way that I was able to be immersed in the arts was through scholarships. And that's something I'm very passionate about that no matter what your economic status is and where you come from, you should be able to be immersed in the arts because it truly does change lives. So I hope that one day I'll be a nonprofit owner and be able to allow other children to have that same opportunity I did. Sounds great. And hopefully you'll be following in Nikki's footsteps, having your own nonprofit, one dealing with the military (laughs) and yours dealing with the arts. And I'm a big fan of arts as activists. I actually think that that's one of the main tools that artists have to have is serving that role of being activists in our community also. So I'm sure that you will do that also. And uh, since you're doing this live and your uh, mom, Cora, was glad to facilitate us getting together on this part of the conversation and everything, I'm hoping that, and uh, I'm going to put it out there nationally, that in 10 to 15 years, by then, Randy might have stepped down, other people might step step down, and you could be the one that runs the Carolina Theater and everything of that nature. So we'll have you come back and run the Carolina Theater. <laughs> I would love to. Awesome. <laughs> so we'll put that out there Thank in the, the so nature and everything. Let's see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, 
Matt, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to having happen in your life in terms of where you would like the ticket company to go, but also the Wolf Den? And if you could tell a little bit more about what the Wolf Den is all about, I'm sure that folks would love to hear about that as well. Yeah, the Wolf Den is a, it's a casual conversation that goes live on LinkedIn and Facebook, and we push it to social media like Twitter and Instagram. It archives on, on YouTube. And it's really, it started out just, as a, I wanted to go to LinkedIn Live, and um, and then I just had a guest. I saw someone doing a show on StreamYard, and I said, oh, let me try this. So I was doing one a week, and then it was two a week, and now I'm like four or five a week because I had enough people who wanted to be on the show, and I didn't want to say, hey, would you like to be on the show? Yeah, we'll book you in December, like you know, six, seven months out. And um, we, we talk about anything, really. It's unscripted. Uh, anything related to sports or entertainment or uh, movies, music, social responsibility. We talk about mental health and equality. And uh, so we have a, just a, a wide range of, um, of guests to talk about whatever you're passionate about. And, uh, I, you know, I'll keep doing it as long as people still want to come onto the show. I, I don't track anything. I couldn't tell you how many people watch it, but I do have a great network of people, of executives and athletes and Olympians and people in the military. And so I guarantee no matter how popular you are, I have people in my network who've never heard of you. And you just, uh, and I forget who said it before, but with the networking, it just all it takes is one person to click that like button or share it. Now their whole network has the opportunity to see it. So I, I just, you know, I, I love to keep doing it. I'd invite any of you guys, if you want to come on, reach out to me and talk about, we'll, we'll definitely give some, uh, some uh you know pr for the for the bourbon and nikki whatever you're doing would love to have you guys on so let me know and uh, i also have some people to connect all of you with um with regards to uh, the the black uh, business expo and olympics uh, some people who are, are pretty well involved in in that type of thing and ticket time machine we're just we're gonna hope to have everyone get a ticket if they want it you know just keeping the printed memory alive uh, it's going to take some time, but I'll get where I need to go. And we'll just be, uh, you know, it's, it's just keep on one, one day at a time, one call at a time. And I'm excited about the future. Sounds great. Um, Matt, if you could, we mentioned it earlier, but could you tell a little bit about, because I was on that call with the locker room. It's the first time I'd ever been there. And that was some actually major sports people that were on there, including some that were, you know, on that, I guess, middle level management, but definitely some great conversations. So you were on there and I was on there. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what that is all about, because I was quite pleased. I think I'm supposed to jump on one later on this week as well, if not next week, but definitely I'd love to hear your thoughts about your experience there. And also maybe your thoughts about some of your guests on the Wolf Den that really impressed you. Yeah. So the locker room was started by Tim Claiborne. He was actually on the Wolf Den last week. So you could check out that episode, but he just started, you know, with the, with the pandemic, everyone was starting weekly calls and just trying to network with each other and have a, a place to bounce ideas off of. And he's got a great network. There's just a lot of people there, athletes, philanthropists, you know, people like me who have a startup and big sports fans. And then I have the Win Again Academy of Mark Moyer, which is another great networking group. He does events with athletes and, and again, philanthropists. Those, the two of those places, those networking are probably uh, maybe a third of all the guests that come on my Wolf Den show, people that I met through that. 
And so it's it's been the best networking that I've been a part of. I did a few networking events that I tried to invite my group to, and we might be doing some more. Um, so stay tuned for that. But it's just great, you know, networking. It's You're going to meet some great people. Uh, Mark says in the email and the tagline, like, you'll meet at least one person who will impact your your network. And um, and sometimes that's all it takes is one. And, you know, the, the locker room has been great. Uh, Ryan Nurse, I'll tell you, Ryan Nurse was a, a, um, a guest on my show. And I, I don't want to give too much away, but he had a real traumatic experience. And he just has a, a really great view, uh, motivating, sad funny he's uh he's called the man i just forgot it um on the road with t-mobile the leader in 5g whether you're cruising through nashville on i-40 heading down i-90 to boston or touring santa cruz in the five you'll be covered by the largest 5g network t-mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in america with 5g see 5g device coverage and access details at tmobile.com most reliable according to independent third-party umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from january to july 2021 fastest according to open signal awards based on average speeds in usa 5g user experience report july 2021 i forgot what he calls himself but check out my podcast <laughs> check out uh, ryan nurse he's great and nancy barrows was on our show and she has just an incredible story of perseverance she had was abused as a child. So it's not all, it's, it's people sharing their story. It's people sharing what they're passionate about. I think we need to elevate these people whose story they don't know. Everyone knows about the same stories and I don't want to dismiss any of their stories, but everyone knows about some of these, you know, the same people whose stories are being shown, whether it's ESPN or it's online or they're the influencers. So I think there's a new voice that needs to be raised and I'm, I'm happy to give people that platform. And I hope, one day that my voice will be raised because I'm always championing for uh, for things that I think uh, are important in society and on the right side of history and just trying to help people. So um, that's really what the Wolf Den is about. And I've really enjoyed doing it. It's a casual conversation. Um, and it's just, I, again, I welcome you to check it out and welcome anyone who, who wants to share their story to reach out and we'll book. We're, you know, we are booked until August now, but we'll get you, we'll get you on there. Sounds good. Uh, Nikki, how important do you think it is to have a hook as a motivational speaker? I was just, as Matt was talking about some of the people that he's dealt with and Nancy definitely, um, it's a very sad story how she went through that abuse, but it is part of what she draws people into her conversations. But then even during the black business expo, we saw some people that had some, I would call them unusual hooks. I remember there was the young lady that comes on with the pom-poms and all of that and definitely gets people motivated with her pom-poms and some of her background. And it was also the gentleman from yesterday that literally found success stories from Dr. Seuss. And he built a whole speech around his uh, Dr. Seuss and the uh, green eggs and ham. So he was definitely uh, reason that to bring some business success to the adult business world. So he's not even talking about young entrepreneurs, but he was finding some very poignant, poignant business uh, lessons to learn from, of all things, green eggs and ham. Definitely. I think it's super important to have a hook. We are in a time and an age right now where there are so many things fighting for our attention. So many social media apps, the news. We can get distracted by our emails. We probably have more than one email. You know, we have all these tabs open on our computer and all these tabs open up in our brain. There's so many things fighting for our attention right now. 
that the hook is important at least to get people to stop and to hear you out, you know, and once you get them to stop and hear you out, and then you can honestly continue to bring that information that you're trying to put off that may not have hooked them in the beginning. So I think a hook is very important to start out with to get someone's attention to say, hey, okay, let me maybe hear what she has to say first, you know, especially when people prejudge you when they see you, you know, and, and think maybe they, you know, don't have the time to hear what you say or maybe don't want to hear what you say until you start bringing them in with that hook. So I think a hook is very important. No, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, even Jesse, in terms of the marketing of the bourbon and everything, how what kind of like hooks other than the Durham hook, of course, all of Durham folks love that, but that's not going to sell it in, say, Ohio or sell it in uh, New Zealand. So what are y'all using as hooks to get folks to reel in in those other places? Because like I said, definitely anybody that's from Durham, North Carolina, is going to want to go because we know the history of Hillside and its rich history. But how are you going to get the person that's, say, in Ohio or the person that's in California or the person that's in Australia to even care about this new brand of bourbon? Absolutely, Mark. Um, so, so Old Hillside is a lifestyle. It's not a, it's just the school that we went to, but it's a lifestyle. And when we say that, we actually got together from, from coming together, together and meeting up every year at the horse races here in Kentucky. So, so it's a lifestyle. It's, it's more of, of all the family coming back together, all your family in a family reunion, ain't seen each other in years, years, and y'all laughing and joking, and you have a bottle of Old Hillside bourbon on the table, just laughing and having fun, bringing back that nostalgia of, of uh, hey, when we used to um, argue and fight in middle school and um, <laughs> and stuff like that. That's the experience we want to bring back. Not the fighting, per se, but the, the camaraderie, the friendship. And I think that lifestyle is everywhere. People in New Zealand is doing it. People in Australia is doing it everywhere. So, so that lifestyle is what we try to uh, incorporate through our brand. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And that lifestyle is important. Just coming back to Kentucky and everything, you know, we just had the Kentucky Derby. I don't think I've interviewed you since that time. And of course, no. there was that major controversy that went on. So how are folks in Kentucky dealing with that? Because you had a horse that won and then he lost because apparently he was on drugs and definitely <laughs> all kinds of other things were going on. And now um, I learned that um, and this was like a couple of months ago, I learned that the betting world um, is apparently having to pay out twice because apparently the horse that won and was a, the cheating horse, they still have to pay. They still paid out that winner. And now they've got to pay out the winner of the horse that actually won. So it sounds like there's a whole lot of things going on in that regard. So what are you hearing over there in Kentucky? So so it's been several people who presented tickets where they would have had a had a bet called the Superfector. And the Superfector is when you pick pick one, two, three, four in the order. Hey, so one guy literally had a superfector. He had a hundred dollar superfector. Um, so you're talking about a hundred dollars times, I think the payout was like 14,000. So um, <laughs> he's a little upset right now, but um, <laughs> hey, but there's a gentleman who won the uh, superfector who, <laughs> who's, who's very happy. So it's, it's really the side of the fence that you're on. Uh, Bob Baffert would probably never ever get a job in Kentucky again. Um, but um, we are passionate about our horses here in Kentucky. So, 
Now, Courtney and Brian, I know that he became passionate about horses, and y'all always had this love, apparently, of bourbon even growing up. But did he convert you to horse racing? Because one of the things that I told him was that I remember, and this was the last time that Jesse was on, maybe the time before, that I remember growing up and being a fan of Hunter S. Thompson, because I've always been interested in journalism, and Hunter S. Thompson was the one that they called the gonzo journalist, so he would sometimes go in and absorb himself into to the environment, sort of like he did um, Fear and Loathing and Las Vegas. So he got to experience some of that Las Vegas life, living and everything. And he also did Fear and Loathing at the Kentucky Derby because he found the Kentucky Derby to be this truly interesting event and truly a pageant. So speaking of like what Maya was talking about and what she's competing in, definitely a pageant in that regard with the people dressing up in their hats and the whole liquor and everything else flowing through. So has he, were you always into horses? Because I know y'all shared the love of bourbon even in high school, or definitely as young adults, maybe in college, but converted you to the horse world. No, I'm, I'm interested in the uh, in the dressing up part, the Kentucky Derby part, like putting on the Sears Slugger suit, you know, and th- that entertainment part of it. But the horse racing, I mean, it's cool. You know, I'm, I'm a sports fan, you know, but I'm not necessarily into the horse racing per se, but um. Yeah, I'm also I'm also in the culture. I'm I'm into the culture, into the you know the spirit of it. You know, I think that's for me. That's that's my that's my interest. What about um, you, Brian? Um, yes, I had been going to the Derby a, a couple of years prior to uh, taking me, uh, Jesse actually with me. Um, I'd gone on bourbon tours, and I had he happened to post a picture that I recognized from from Lexington, and I was like, "Are you in Lexington?" And so, you know, I said, man, look, you got to go to the horse races. It's incredible. I mean, so, uh, you know, my, 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 my fervor for it was my introduction to, to bringing him in. And so it's been, you know, every year we just all we talk about is like, we're going, we're going, we're going. So um, I had always my father was into horse racing. So I kind of watched it, never knew, understood it until I became an adult. Yeah, because yeah, one of the things that people forget, and I know me and Jesse had brought it up the last time, was the history of African-Americans in horse racing, because we were actually the leading jockeys in the early days and everything. But people forget that because they see a lot of our Latin brothers and uh, <laughs> running the horses now or being the jockeys. But it was actually the early horse uh, jockeys were mostly from the African-American society, what I understand, and even some of the first winners. So if y'all could share a little bit about that for our listeners that might have missed the last episode. Sure. Um, hey, I'm a good part of our brand is around the African-American jockeys. Um, um, Isaac Murphy, arguably the best, best um, um, jockey ever, ever. And probably only 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 half of this call has ever heard of the guy. Um, it was two 16 year olds who won the Derby back in the late 1800s. 16 year old African-American kids who um, who won the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it's unreal. And a good part of our brand is telling that story. So, um, I, um, hey, we're going to tell that story through um, a special bottle release. Um, um, and that story has to be heard. It heard. So um, very, very informative. And we're, we're actually working on a documentary trying to get that story out there as well. But um, if you guys haven't heard, heard, look up the story of Isaac Murphy. Amazing, amazing human being for one. And um, just phenomenal jockey. Yes, and we're also partnering with the African American uh, Museum in in Kentucky. Um, they're going to help us with uh, promoting the uh, Black Jockeys and the history of it, as well as we're working with persons who have been involved with the setup of monuments for the jockeys and horses. So, in the coming months, you'll see a lot 
from us rolling out about the black jockeys and the horse racing and how the ladies and the guys are involved into, you know, at what levels they were involved in the early days of horse racing. Well, that'll be amazing. Everything. Nikki, is that something that you've ever thought about going to is checking out one of the horse races or even I'll ask Matt that same question. Or is there another sports event that is like your dream event? Cause like I said, I've definitely wanted to go to the, um, Kentucky Derby or one of the other horse races, but I've also been a big track fan. So I've wanted to go to the Olympics and haven't made that yet. And the world cup in terms of soccer. And there are a number of other events, including the NBA finals, which I've got to get to or an NFL Super Bowl. But what about yourself? Have you ever thought about going and checking out the horse races or is that not even something that has interested you at all? Definitely. I've always wanted to go to the Kentucky Derby. I don't know if it was for the horses or to wear a fancy hat that always attracted me. Right. My daughter is an equestrian. She's been riding horses. My goodness. Uh, seven, eight years. We actually have two miniature horses. Uh, but, you know, I live next door, of course, Ohio, Kentucky, uh, mostly all my life, but never had a chance to make it to the race. And it's something I still desire to do and still want to do. So definitely interested and looks like I'm behind the time and I better get to a race. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Matt? Is that something you wanted to do? Uh, or is there other sporting events that are on your dream list? But what about yourself, Matt? Have you wanted yeah. to make it to the Kentucky Derby? I think the Ken Kentucky Derby is on my bucket list. Uh, my birthday is May 2nd, which is basically always around the Kentucky Derby. And we generally go to Key West for my birthday weekend and always make sure to, or, you know, that we're watching the Derby on that Saturday. So I'm excited to someday go there. Hopefully I have a twin brother. Hopefully we'll get to go together, but I would say Kentucky Derby is, you know, up there with the masters as some of the Olympics too. Like you mentioned, those are, um, those are definitely bucket lists. And I hope to work with the Kentucky Derby. We can create some really cool stuff. I've, I've reached out to them and uh, hope to be able to talk to them at some point. But, um, you know, definitely opportunity for for race fans. Oh, yeah, definitely. That would be a great opportunity. I actually had a friend that was actually one of the fellow organizers for the Black Business Olympics, and they were talking about the fact, uh, Kimberly McLean, I think it was, but she runs one of the advertising agencies. But I think it was her birthday. I don't think it was the anniversary. I think it was the birthday. And her husband came out to uh, brought some of her tennis playing friends and everything and gifted her with uh, tickets to the U.S. Open. So I think she's off to the U.S. Open on this particular week because that happened this past weekend that she got gifted with U.S. Open tickets and all of that. So like I said, if somebody wants to gift anybody on the panel with sports tickets, I don't think anybody here will complain. At least that's what I'm hearing. That if there are folks that want to gift uh, folks with tickets, we would gladly take them, except for maybe not Courtney. Courtney works for ESPN. He can get whatever he feels like, whatever he feels like, it, because he's got the sports hookup on the regular and all of that. That, that is not true, Mark. That's not true. <laughs> the Derby you, have had, to, uh, you have to work in those events. And, uh, it's true. It's true. True. <laughs> you look at his Instagram, it's true. The Kentucky Derby had a, a – they there was a party zone that was sponsored. It was in conjunction with White Claw. So and I know I sent you guys some stuff, but, you know, hopefully you guys someday will be associated with your, your bourbon and the, and the Kentucky Derby. They're always looking for – uh, you know, people to that. I would think that would be a good fit, but more than White Claw, although I heard it gets a little rowdy there, so maybe White Claw yeah. isn't bad. Yeah, so, I'm um, sure that they would be down for that and everything. But Courtney, I do have to tease you about that because I know when I've done events, 
um, and I've done festivals and everything, everybody thinks that we get to enjoy the event, but I do know what you're talking about because a lot of times you're working the event because I know that even doing the blues festival and some other music festivals, folks will come up afterwards and they'll be like, Mark, did you see such and such? And I'll be like, no, at that time I was taking the artist to get paid. So I totally miss what was going on. So I'm imagining that you've had those same kind of experiences where folks are telling you about amazing plays that are going on, on a, say a Super Bowl game or an NBA game. And you're sitting there going like, Nope, missed it. I was doing another shot at another place. <laughs> exactly. I mean, sometimes I wouldn't even know who won the game because I'm so busy, you know, during the, during the, during the process. So uh, you're working, man. I'm, I'm there, but I'm, I'm not really there <laughs> as a fan, you know. So it's tough, man. Yeah, I'm sure it's tough. But um, I don't think that Jesse or Brian are twice buying this because they're looking at you like, we want your job. We want not them to do all. what you're doing. <laughs> not not they're quite buying that you're not having at least some enjoyment and at least knowing some of the things that are going on and that you get to hang out with the athletes. So am I right, Jesse? Y'all are not buying his argument? No, no. Hey, Mark, I'm watching ESPN, and I see Courtney on ESPN holding a, a cup of uh, coffee for one of the announcers. I'm like, this dude talking about his job. It's, it's an amazing job. He's just downplaying it. So, Dickie, <laughs> um, getting off the sports teasing and everything, but uh, in terms of bourbon, and I'm going to ask Matt the same thing. They've got this tremendous bourbon. I'm still waiting for my uh, bottle that Jesse has not sent me yet, but I'm still waiting for it and everything. But um, is, there, is that something that you have been – a fan of, or are you more of a wine drinker or one of the other alcohols, or do you just try to stay away from the spirits altogether? Because I also know that a good friend of ours does a show here on the network that deals with a wine called Shoot Crazy. So it was actually started by a couple of, by a young lady who was actually retiring from corporate America after being in an accident. So her and her daughter started the Shoe Crazy brand because they realized that they loved wine. And she loves shoes. And I think her daughter did as well. So they started the Shoe Crazy Wine brand based out of Virginia. Definitely, of course, occasional wine drinker here and there. It's probably been a few years since. But, you know, I didn't always stay away from the spirits. But I have to say, of course, being a military, military police officer, you know, um, I was not um, a big bourbon drinker at all. Um, but definitely not something that I wouldn't try, but I'm definitely not a big bourbon drinker. And, you know, right now, for the most part, I do kind of just stay away. Not something that I do anymore. Before I get to Matt and I want to find out what he's got to say about uh, bourbon and everything, I did want to jump on something that you just mentioned, and it does come back to another issue and everything. You said that you were in the, the MPs, and I know that, you know, we definitely had the Black Lives Matter movement, but we also had people that were trying to talk about the police force and the need for the police force. And there's even here in Durham, we've had the defund movement. But sometimes when people bring that up, they talk about the fact that some of our current police officers came from the military. And sometimes they wonder if the two kind of policings don't necessarily translate because sometimes you may not have the same skill sets that you might need for the civilians that you need for military. But I was just wondering your thoughts on that and your thoughts on the direction that we're going with policing in the United States with that military policing background. And Mark, I got to cut you off real quick. I got to run. Um, I'm not a bourbon drinker, uh, but I do like flavored whiskey, the screwball peanut butter whiskey. Uh, it's uh, It was pretty good. I had it at my wedding, but um, I know a lot of people who do like bourbon. So 
Cool. And man, before you get off, and I know you got to pop off, but I was going to give you the Maya question, and it looks like Brian bounced off before I could get to him. But that question was, and before I get to Nikki's answer, how um, any words of encouragement that you would give to our global audience and words of positivity? I think just do it. Um, just do it. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy and uh, fight through the, the naysayers and the, the roadblocks. And I think if you surround yourself with good people and do the right things, that good things will happen. I feel strongly about that for myself, but I find strongly about that for everyone. And I'm here to help. I'm about as accessible a person as you'll ever meet. You can find me on LinkedIn and all of social media. So reach out if I can help. Reach out if you think that uh, you know someone I should be speaking with. And I look forward to seeing everyone here and uh, hearing from people in the audience. I appreciate the time. Appreciate you, Matt. Definitely uh, know that, like I've told uh, Brian and Tim and others when they've been back on, you're always welcome to jump back on on other conversations. As a matter of fact, Jesse's been on, I think, about three times. So he knows that I will definitely invite you back and you can always come back on whenever available. Yeah, this is great. I've already connected with a, a bunch of people today and I'm looking forward to following up. So Sounds good. Have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, peace. So, Nikki, that question I was asking about that whole translating the military police job into the mainstream job, because that has been a complaint that I've heard about sometimes people saying about the civilian police, even when they've talked about defund police. And I actually think that that's a misnomer because I think most of the times when people are saying that, they're just saying that they want to kind of channel some of the resources. They don't necessarily want all the money to go away from policing because I think most people do think that we need some form of policing in one form or fashion or another. Definitely. So I think it comes down to just like with any uh, local police officer, it depends on the city you're in. You know, the Chicago police officer is going to have way more experience and, and, and deal with way more situations than maybe a little, you know, town police officer will have. So and when it comes to a combat veteran, I've seen things and, you know, experienced things and been in situations that local police officers would even think about they'd ever be in. So right, right. I don't think that it's a point that just because maybe it's a military police officer or military that certain military uh, officers don't have that experience. It just depends on where you've been stationed per se or where your precinct is per se. Because once again, everybody's experience is different. But when it comes down to the core values, being trained the same and being able to, you know, be trained to help, to deal with situations on the street, I think we're all definitely qualified to do so. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Yeah, because I know the only time that I've really seen it come up in conversations is sometimes when people talk about some of the military equipment that 
police officers that were not trained in the military have received as well. So I know that that's the other part of, of the conversation that comes up is that sometimes people are sitting there going like, it's one thing for a local police officer to get say some of the tanks or some of the other things that they may use to co to quell riots. It's another thing for them to actually have the training in it. And sometimes I do think that that lacks sometimes as well. So I just wonder yeah. your thoughts on that. And definitely, I also think too, of course, being a military police officer, we also have, I think, I wouldn't say a lot more, but we know how to deal with situations in terms of maybe bento um, situations where maybe a soldier's acting out because of a, a panic attack or PTSD attack that maybe a local police officer wouldn't have that training to do as well. So I just really think, you know, no matter where you're at, everyone's experience is going to be different. But that's why it's so important for us to all work together and everybody lean on each other's experiences and strengths and weaknesses, because no matter what precinct or district you're in, everybody has them. No, and the other thing that I would agree, and I think Courtney would probably even agree, and I'd love to hear from Jesse as well, is that um, I think that most people would agree, and I know the guy that I do my audio podcast with is a prison guard, and he talks about the fact that even in the prison system, they know that they have bad apples and what they would like to do is just see the bad apples be taken out of that organization, whether it's the police force, whether it's the prison guards or whatever. So it's not that all police are bad, but there are bad apples in anything, just like I'm sure there are bad apples in corporate America that Jesse is part of. And there's probably even some bad apples, not many, because I can't think of who they would be in the ESPN world and all of that. But I'm sure there's some folks over there that even uh, Courtney sitting there going like, nope, I don't really like their style and they need to leave and everything. But they're probably bad apples in all organizations. And it's just a matter of trying to make sure that they don't uh, influence the organization too much would be my attitude. And if they're really toxic bad apples, that we need to find ways to get them out. Yeah, yeah. And Mark, it's a, I say it's malpractice. So, right. so that's what people don't. If a doctor, if he screws up, um, a, um, I've never heard a heard heard. I'm I'm never going to the doctor again. It's malpractice right. on any level. So, all these bad apples are committing mal malpractice. And um, and not everybody does that. So so you can't link everybody to to malpractice. Yeah, I, exactly. that. I think what are your thoughts, a, Gordon? It's an accountability piece. You know, we have to hold folks accountable for their actions. You know, if they're not doing something up to par, then we have to we have to hold them accountable. And I think with any company, with any business, um, you, you have to operate that way. And there needs to be some accountability if you're not doing what you need to be doing. So. No, I definitely agree with you. And what are your thoughts about accountability, Nikki? Because like I said, you did have that experience and that long experience. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I was also a corrections officer at the county jail um, in the booking department. And going back to experience, once again, the experience that I had in the booking department and the things I dealt with there, the same correction officer on the fourth, fifth floor didn't have that experience because they didn't deal with the the things that I dealt with too. So whether it's corrections officer in the prison system, in the jails, uh, policing, we do have to hold each other each other accountable because at that time we are representing our unit, we're representing our department, we're representing our city. Uh, you know, so we have to hold each other accountable. And even if that means being that person that pulls that other person aside, like, hey, you know, that's not okay. That's not what we're about, or you got to do this or got to do that. Yet it's tough sometimes being a person of color, you know, you know, being a female, it is tough sometimes doing that because, you know, you, 
you do feel like maybe you'll get fired or you do feel after that you'll get backlash or get differently. So it's a tough call and a tough decision sometimes sometimes to make. I think like Brian said, you know, it's it's tough. We say we're going to do this, but when the time comes, will we really be that person to approach someone that needs to be held accountable? It's a tough call, but we all have to do it. I definitely agree with you. One of the sponsors of the Black Business Olympics was a uh, gentleman by the name of Bruce George, and he created this movement called Genius is Common. And basically what he was saying is that we all have a genius in us in one form or fashion or another. But I remember his interview, which I believe was on Saturday and everything. He was talking about the fact that oftentimes we don't, uh, we had things in our lives that were similar to what our kids are doing. Like we get on them for their hanging uh, pants and things of that nature. But we also had things that were looked at by our generation as being things that were not all that cool as well. I know folks that grew up in, the uh, 70s, they were probably teased for having platform shoes and things of that nature. They're growing up in the 90s, probably had like some of the t-shirts and all of that. So I just wondering y'all's message, two-part question is one, y'all's thoughts about that, the fact that we don't need to be like discarding our youth if they're having some habits that might be based on the way that uh, what's cool in their generation. And also I do love his whole movement and this concept that we are all geniuses in one form or fashion. We may not be super geniuses in terms of the brain and the Mensa uh, ability, but we've got skills, whether that's a sports skill or a talent like Maya might have with singing or whether that's uh, the ability to write a book or even the ability to cook or some of the various other things that we might be good in. I remember one of the people that did one of the commercials was actually a master barber. And I think he was in Oklahoma. So we've all got these certain skills and that's what we need to be honoring. But I'd love to hear both your thoughts about how we're treating our youth and that concept of genius is common. Um, so so my son, he's a, he's a recent uh, college graduate and um, me, Courtney, Brian, and the rest of the team actually was in Atlanta this weekend. And my son is part of the um, executive team. so. So he's actually the face, the CEO, and um, <laughs> and Courtney. It was Courtney's birthday, so we decided to go to a few places that we like to hang out. Um, and and he said to me, like, "Man, y'all really do it differently." And 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 he was just impressed with how we moved. So so he was saying we're not too different, but you know we can't always point the fingers at them because because Courtney and I both had funny funny haircuts when we were in school together. We we wore baggy pants. We or, you know, you know, I look at my basketball uniforms. I wore socks to my knees and I'm like, why did you wear socks to your knees? That's the dumbest thing. But, you know, I look at him, his pants are a lot tighter than mine and I don't knock him for it. But but I have to tell him, like, I did some stuff, too, dude. So don't, uh, you know, so, you know, <laughs> share no, those memories and uh, having friends that can back me up is. Is amazing. So no, we all do stuff. I did not have the pleasure. Like I said, I've known Doc for years when we were in school and everything. And his roommate and my roommate were best friends. And I was following Doc Rivers' career and everything. And I remember that even though they're divorced, but uh, the woman that he was married to for decades and everything, the one that gave him the kids, including Austin Rivers and every and all of that. That when they first got married. Doc actually came and did the wedding in his tennis shoes. So if you actually go back and watch the old pictures of the weddings, the entire uh, groom party, if I remember correctly, is in their tennis shoes because they were all NBA basketball players and everything. So like I said, when I see stories like that, I'm like, okay, yeah, we can't really say that much. (laughs) 
Courtney, what about you and your thoughts? And do you have any uh, kid stories as well? And I'm not sure if you've got any kids of your own or if you've got any thoughts about how much, how similar we are in some ways. No, I mean, uh, you know, we we can't knock this generation, man, because like they, their sense of style and their things that they do, um, it, it works for them. It, it works for them. And like Jesse mentioned, man, we had we had things that we used to do, uh, big baggy clothes and, and things that you know probably wouldn't fly in this in this day and age. And 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 the young this generation has figured out how to monetize a lot of things. I mean, if you think about the influencers, the mm-hmm. things that they're doing online, I mean. Their genius is 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 it's something that um, I think we have an experience in our generation as far as their, their technical abilities and their weight their ability to monetize just the simplest thing, right? And, and and like the fads and things like that are catching on so fast that I can't knock it. I, I really can't because I mean if we if we would have had those like the you know internet uh, uh, influences and things back in high school in, in junior high school. Uh, we we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now, right? We, <laughs> you know, it's like we would have taken off and 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 done so much. But um, I, I can't knock these kids today. They're, they're, no, they're smart, and, they, and the way that they're doing things are are, are different. But yeah, you know, I can't. You know, it's good no, stuff. Definitely, definitely agree with you on that. What about your thoughts, Nikki, on that? I'm sure with a teenage daughter, you're probably thinking that there's some things that she's doing that you're sitting there going like, yep, I was doing something similar and might've even had some similar kind of outfits and everything. So I really can't complain about what you're doing because I was doing something similar some 30 or 40 years ago. Exactly. And the tough part is of course, watching your children go and grow into their own and becoming a teenager. And it's like, I'm not ready for the short shorts, but then a memory comes in my mind. Oh, I had some short cross-color shorts when they first came out. I had one pair that I was allowed to wear. So I had to remember, I went through the short shorts and I'm like, oh my God, those are too short. She's like, mom, we were literally in the store right before we came here. And I'm like, I am not ready for this. But, you know, as you said, you know, the things that they're doing and wearing and what they want to wear. I remember back to what I was wearing and it's just like, okay, if I made it and I survive, she will be okay. So I, I, I try to relax a little bit and, you know, let her come into her own. But you're right. We had some funny things back in the day and they have some funny things. And, you know, it's all, all about letting them come into their own. But I am not ready for this. I tell you that. Well, Nikki, I was <laughs> trying to do the math on your age, but you said cross colors. And so so, so me and Tuck eyes got this big. So I'm not going to tell your age, but I know how old you are. Yes, I gave it away. Cross colors. I gave no, it away. Cross colors definitely gave it away. So yeah, she's, and I do remember I actually had a friend that worked for the cross colors uh, brand and everything. And they actually went to state, the NC state, and were involved with them in their early days. So definitely much shout out to them. Cause I remember I was actually working at a newspaper as a young reporter at the time when that brand came out. So yeah, you did date yourself with yeah, that whole thing. Like I've been home from Iraq 18 years. So I know I really dated myself then. <laughs> I, well, I was in um, there in 99, 2000. So we're about in the same, in the Air Force. I was in the Air Force. Were you in the Air Force too? Oh, Army all the way. Okay. Okay. You said Ohio well, automatically defaulted the right path. So that's what I thought you were. Yeah. Yeah. Army. Oh, okay. No, but definitely. Um, one of the things I've been proud about about this young generation, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts about this, is this is probably one of the most active generations. Some people might say the 60s, and yes, I think that they can probably be put in 
that same category, but you know, I'm actually in between being born in the 62 and everything, but definitely I'm thinking of this generation that the folks that were in the 60s would have been born in like the 40s and the 50s. But this generation is probably the most active and most inclusive generation that I've ever seen. And is not afraid to let you know what they think about various issues. And I think that they're very liberal on a lot of issues ranging from Black Lives Matter to wanting to have the dreamers have their rights to even wanting to be in Pride Month, the LGBTI and whatever other letters they've got now, community have their rights as well. So it definitely seems that they are one of the most active communities that I've seen, but I'd love to know your thoughts because they are not afraid to let us know what they think. And sometimes they think that we have uh, lost our minds by not being as liberal as they are. And I consider myself fairly liberal, but they might even be more liberal. Yeah, um, we we had the opportunity to do an event this weekend, and I keep talking about it, but we hired a videographer to cover it. And this lady, well, uh, she's ex-military, a young girl, maybe 24, 25. And she just wanted to talk to us and understand how we thought. She was sponging everything that we said, everything that we said, how to move, how to get your business right. She was just listening and just taking notes. You know, so I think from that dad perspective, a lot of them want to be different and they want to learn from us. In my generation, if you try to have a conversation with me, I'm walking off because I don't really, you know, you know, I'm not thinking about the future. But her whole thing was like, man, how you guys move, how you come together, tell me your story. How do you trust Courtney? How do you know you can trust Courtney? And it was just she was learning from us. And I was just blown away by this young lady, lady. And um, and um, she is gonna be be on the come up. She's an amazing, amazing talent. And um, and she really listens and she wants to get better. Hey, so so all the stigmas that may be under this generation, there's some out there that are thirsty for knowledge and they want to learn from us. Hey, us and we got to make ourselves available and um and give them whatever we didn't get. So what about yeah, your thoughts, Courtney? I, I agree, uh, you know, Jesse, like it, it's key that we um just make ourselves available. Um, and the knowledge that we have, the things that we've gone through um, over our, our growing up in our generation, um, we have a lot to offer and, and in terms of knowledge and just kind of just the basic, you know, skills uh, and things like that. And so um, just being available, being present, you know, um, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those kids will pick it up and, and again, latch on to it. And they're very smart. They're super smart, but they want it like right now, right? And they and it's like that's like the now, you know. I've I've, I've hired some some young some young kids and just coming out of college, and they want seventy eighty thousand dollars right after back. And like, well, no, no, let's just let's back up a little bit. You have to get some experience first, right? You, right. you can't just get that out of college. But they want it like right away, and I mean, I love that about about them. But like, I would love to kind of bring them back in a little bit and say, hey, this is kind of how you do it, right? And, uh, and 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 not not saying that that that's the right way to do it, right? Because there's there's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? But um, it, it it's just they just have to get that basic uh, foundation uh, put down first, and then they can just take off. But um, that's 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 what I've learned about this generation. And Nikki, along those same lines, this generation, and maybe it's just my assessment of it, but it seems to be one of the most entrepreneurial generations that I've seen as well. Maybe the most entrepreneurial since the Renaissance. And when I'm thinking of the Renaissance, I'm thinking about like when we had Black Wall Street and things of that nature, because every time I turn around and it even comes back to something that Courtney's talking about, 
they're like, you know, starting businesses in college, in high school. And sometimes they're not even thinking about going to corporate America. They're like, I want to be able to have my entrepreneurship business up and running and making my money and not even wanting to go into corporate America. But I was just wondering your thoughts about that. You're right. Great question. My daughter already has her business and up and running and making money and put her website together in one day. And I'm like, I'm still waiting on my IT guy to call me back. What? But she's she put her website together and, and she's had two or three businesses since this business. They have so much access to technology and the Internet that we didn't have growing up. So you're right. She already knows what she wants to be. She's already thinking about college. And I'm like, you're only going to the eighth grade and so serious about it. And sometimes she asks, well, can my college when I apply for college, will they know what I got on my math test? And I'm like, why are you even worried about that? But they know what they want. As Courtney says, they show up and and they're like, I want to make this much. I know what I want to do and I'm going for it at all costs. So it has a lot to do with, with technology that we really weren't thinking about that because we weren't seeing social media every day, all day, or the internet or sitting there researching. We had to pick up an encyclopedia or, or, and try to figure this thing out or go to the library and wait for your parents to take you to go to the library. So we weren't even thinking that far ahead because we just didn't have access to the information that, that, our gen, that this generation has now. Oh, and the internet is the internet has even accessed and changed the way that we're doing a lot of things. I remember um, growing up in like um, I was in high school in the seventies uh, and definitely uh, college in the early eighties and everything. Um, and I just remember that definitely in high school and even some of the younger ages, there would be. Um, teachers that would bring TV sets in to watch the World Series. And I'm not going to lie, I've been probably watching the majority of my NBA playoffs on my laptop. So I've been not necessarily even watching it on my uh, TV. I've been watching it on the computer and things of that nature. So it's definitely a different age, even in the way that we're seeing the sports. Because like I said, I'm thinking that that teacher that brought in that TV to watch the baseball game because they were such a baseball fan and TV was in a newer, I won't say a, a totally young because it had been around for at least a decade or two, but it was still in a younger age and everything. They were just glad to bring you able to bring in, it was a relatively small TV set and, you know, put, put it on there and basically ignore teaching us that day because they, they wanted to watch the World Series and all of that. But definitely that was not the case now because right now the teacher can be watching the uh, World Series or any of those afternoon games. And I know a lot of the games are at night now, but if there's sports that are in the afternoon, they can be watching it on their computer while teaching this kid. So they don't even have to, the kids don't even have to know that they're watching it unless they just happen to, to come around, but you don't have to have the big TV set. So I was just wondering if you could talk about even the impact of social media on your work, Courtney, because even, like I said, I've been following and I do watch sometimes the uh, after NBA chats that go on with uh, Ernie Johnson and some of the other folks. And there's always some great conversations that happen there. And everything, but definitely I'm watching it usually on my laptop or one of my two laptops. So I just wonder if you talk about how the impact of social media and the internet on even sports coverage. Yeah, I think the the landscape is changing. Um, you know, everything is going to streaming now. Social media is is very prevalent um, and very big, and kind of like you know just the pre-show, post-show, uh, you know, productions. Uh, we even do a lot of stuff uh, that folks don't really know about through the pandemic. We have announcers announcing the games at home, mm -hmm. just like we're talking right now. They're announcing the games over the Internet. Right. And so it's, it's, it's definitely changed and it's growing. Um, and, you know, we have to keep up with that from a technology standpoint. We have to keep up with that change and we have to keep it, you know, 
keep it keep it going. But uh, yeah, social media is very very prevalent. Um, it was and, really interesting seeing that, by the way, because I even heard one of the games recently, and the announcer even admitted that because they were like saying that the players were playing. I think it was one of the. Uh, games before they let fans in and they were like saying, announcing the play and they were even letting you know that they were making the comments from, I'm not sure if it was their home studio or their physical home studio, like meaning their home office their studio, or whatever city exactly. they were or their actual home, but they definitely yeah. let you know that they were not in the arena with the players and I think that was a game that I watched maybe even a week or two ago and I'm sitting there going like, so they're not even at the game. They're actually making the play-by-plays from a whole right. distant location and everything. And I saw that, and I also saw it with um, – I remember I'm a fan and have been for a long time, Saturday Night Live, and I saw that when the pandemic first happened, they were doing entire skits from their individual homes and then patching it together and all of that to make Saturday Night Live happen during the pandemic year. And I'm sitting there going like, whoa, this has got to be some serious production if y'all have got – because that's got to be a cast of about at least 40 or 50, and you know, they're spread out all over the country sending in their little vignettes and then somebody like a Courtney has to put it together and everything. And I'm sitting there going like, that's a lot of work. At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks. Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams of 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But it, but it's made TV, uh, I guess, more accessible. Like anybody can, you know, jump in there. And, and, and you know, like, so we do FaceTime hits where we used to do like a full pr- production crew for a live shot. Now you can just get on your iPhone and do a FaceTime hit and be on SportsCenter, you know? Wow. And so it's, it's the technology and, 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 and just because of the pandemic um, has changed the way we do TV. It's definitely changed the way we do TV for sure. Yeah, I've got to teach you about something. That, like I said, I'm going to wrap it up and get y'all's quotes um, in terms of um, words of advice and things of that nature and your social media. And uh, since Jesse and Brian have jumped off, I definitely want to get it for the bourbon and any other ones that you want to give for yourself, Courtney. But before we jump off, I do have to teach you about the art paintings behind you because none of those look like sports paintings. They look like they're more like cartoons and all of that. So I have to ask you about those because I'm sitting there going like, I'm expecting a picture of like, you know, some of the basketball players and I'm seeing like um, what looks like a portrait and something that looks like a cartoon character. So I'm sitting there going like, I don't necessarily see the sports stuff. So I just wonder if you could tell our audience a little bit about that because it's been catching my eyes for at least the latter half of the conversation. No, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, hip hop fan. So what you see behind me is LL Cool J's uh, record uh, radio. And then you see uh, EPMD, which is my favorite hip hop group. And then I don't know if you can see uh, the picture right above that is LeBron James and Michael Jordan leaning over Kobe Bryant's jersey. So okay. uh, 
So yeah, that's a little sports intertwined with the with the hip hop uh, background. Uh, yeah, because I did not see the LeBron James ones until you adjusted the camera, but I did see the other two and everything. I was going like, that does not look like a sports one and everything. <laughs> so what do you use to decorate your room, Nikki? I don't see anything. Well, I do see one painting I think behind you and everything. But what is your things that you use to relieve yourselves and everything? Because I do think that we have to have relief in life, and there's always stress going on. So. I'm a big fan of sometimes even going for a walk and observing nature and the birds and some of the things that are going on. So what are some of your relief techniques that you use, especially being a public speaker, a former military, uh, I mean, a military veteran and definitely all the things that are leading to stress constantly, even minus the pandemic? Definitely. So I'm not in my office right now. That's why you don't see probably about 50 motivational quotes and things to keep my mind focused on. I have stickies all over the place. I have pictures. I have cutouts, things that I can always constantly read to bring my mind back that I what I need to be focused on because life still happens. My daughter's still, you know, wearing that crazy stuff and, and wanting to do her teenage thing. And and there's so much stress of life. Uh, but because I do motivate and encourage others, I have to make sure that I'm still motivated and encouraging myself. So I'm, I'm a big, um, you know, as Bruce George says, quoteologist. I'm not a quoteologist, but I like to keep quotes around. I like to read them and lots of motivational, inspirational, positive things to keep my mind set on. So that is what's all over my office right now. That makes a lot of sense and everything. Well, like I said, I did want to wrap up and definitely want to thank both of y'all for being on. But as I said, uh, I'll start with uh, ladies first. So I'll start with Nikki first and everything. But any social media that you've got that you want to share and any words of positivity and encouragement that you want to share with our global audience, I'm sure that they would love to hear that from you. And like I've told everybody else, love to have y'all come back on either on this streaming show or one of the other two ones that I do as well as the audio ones. But it's an open invitation anytime you feel like coming back. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Uh, so appreciative for you inviting me and having me today. I enjoyed the conversation. Wonderful guest today. I will definitely be connecting with everyone. You can uh, catch me walking in power and purpose on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under Nikki Doherty. And you can also email me at info at NikkiDoherty.com. And words of inspiration and encouragement. What I'm doing now, I never thought that I would do on this level. I was comfortable in my government job, but I always had a vision of speaking on a stage to women veterans, sharing my testimony. That vision always stuck with me. And that was about 10 years ago. And we always want to ask the, how is that going to happen? Or when is that going to happen? I'm in a comfortable position, comfortable job. There, there's no opportunities like that. And who, who wants to hear me speak? Who, who wants to hear me talk? You know, But I always had that vision. So the things that you're seeing, I, I call them purpose clues that God gives us along our journey. And we don't, we shouldn't worry about the how. We just should pursue one step at a time what's in our heart and, and what our vision is. I always wanted to help veterans, uh, didn't know it would be a nonprofit. But once that you know began to be a dream, just one step forward. So whatever dream you have, you know, no matter how old you are, age doesn't matter. All you need is a belief in yourself to know. And, and it's so simple as if you put your mind to it, you can do it. But don't worry about that last step. Have a go and reverse engineer it and just start with the one step, which is believing in yourself, self, 
you can start mentioning what, what you want to do because although you have to be careful of the dream stealers and the brain drainers, you still have to network. So you will still have to speak your dreams and goals to people that will open those doors for you to let you know that, hey, I am moving in the right direction. But you also have to have tough enough skin to where people start doubting what's inside of you. You have enough belief and encouragement in yourself to keep going. So my word of encouragement is keep going. Do not feel that you have to stay stuck where you're at. Never stop dreaming. Never give up on yourself. Bet on yourself because you can really do anything you want to do. And getting a coach is necessary. Getting a mentor is necessary. Getting someone or investing in yourself to have someone on your team uh, in the same mindset as you. If you don't have a network of people to bounce ideas off of, you may have to hire someone who, once again, will open doors and start putting you around the people that you need to be around. So. Um, I'm excited for, for the future. I'm excited to continue to network and meet great people. And um, honestly, I'm excited for people to tap into the purpose and the power that's within them. And I'll leave on this note that we have the power to create the life that we want to live the moment we decide and believe in ourselves. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about that. I definitely agree with you on that and everything. Courtney, if you want to tell folks how they can reach the uh, Old Hillside Bourbon folks, but also uh, if there's ways to reach both you and uh, Brian and Jesse, as well as individuals, and definitely your words of encouragement and your words of support as well. Yeah, I mean, um, we're on social media, Old Hillside Bourbon Company, on all social media platforms. Uh, please follow and like our page uh, for more information on product details, uh, uh, our bottles are coming soon to an area near you. Um, so yeah, just please follow us on all social media platforms uh, for more, more details on our product. Um, and in terms of just uh, words of encouragement, um, Nikki hit it right on the head. You know, um, you have the power to uh, to do whatever you want to do. If you speak it, it will be the universe will uh, make it happen for you. Uh, positive thinking. Um, speak positive things and positive things will come back to you. Um, you know, put one foot forward in front of the other, you know, uh, keep moving, keep going, uh, never stop, never quit. Because as soon as you stop, that's when your dream stops, right? Follow your dreams, follow your passions. I'm a, I'm a young guy from Durham, North Carolina. I live in, I live in Los Angeles. I've never would have thought that I would be in, on the West coast. Right. From a little small town. But like I, I never I never quit. I never I never said, hey, you know, this, this is this is all I want to do. I, I knew I wanted to do greater things and, and, and be great. And um, I, I just put one foot in front of the other and I kept moving. I kept going. I had a thousand no's, a million no's. Right. You're going to people are going to say no left and right. But that one yes uh, is all that matters. And once you get that one yes, you're there. And then once you get there, you have to sustain this. That sustain it you have to you have to do what you uh do what you worked hard for to get there you you, you have to put that in the, into practice you know so um never give up never quit um anything's possible anything you speak positive speaking positive thinking everything you put out there has to be positive right you can't say anything negative because those negative things will come back to you so speak positive there's power in the tongue um, oh, yeah. Keep it, keep it going. 
Yeah, definitely. Along those same lines, and just a quick interjection, I'd love to hear from your thoughts on this, Courtney, and everything. But one of the things that I oftentimes hear from our athletes and our entertainers, and I oftentimes work with both groups, more the entertainers than the athletes, is the fact that they all want to make it to the big time. And we do know that there's a limited amount of folks that actually get to get into the NBA or the NFL or a number of the other leagues, including some leagues that aren't as major here in the United States, like soccer's major in other parts of the world, but it's not as major here, but we do have major league soccer and even major league baseball. So when you talk to youth, even out there in Los Angeles, how much realism do you have to give them and how do you have to balance that job of wanting to encourage them to go for their dream of being athletes, but also let them know that it's a long shot dream. Cause I know that I sometimes have to have that balance and act even with some of my entertainer friends and some of them are even long in the tooth cause they've been in the entertainment game for a while and they still haven't made it to the kind of quiet level that they would like to be at and things along those lines. So how do you do that balance and act of, you know, telling folks that they should pursue that dream of being say the next LeBron. Cause you know, LeBron was, the one that came after Michael. And so he was the next Michael. And now there'll be the next, whatever that one is after that, you know, the next LeBron, whoever that is. But I was just wondering how you balance that thing of wanting to tell them to pursue the dream, but also giving them some realism and reality ch uh, checks. Cause sometimes we also have to give our folks reality checks. Mark, I think you hit it right on the head. You, you do have to be real and 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 it's 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 a it's a small group of people who really really make it right out. Um, you know the LeBrons and the Kobe's and the Jordans. It's a small group that get to that level of of, of achievement. They get to that level of greatness. And I think um, you 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 have to really really be focused. Have have tons of discipline. Um, you, you have to be that that Mamba mentality, right? We talk about Kobe had that Mamba mentality, but that's something special that that he had. And only a select few have that Bamba mentality, right? Um, so, you know, you, you have to be realistic in your talents. You have to be realistic in, in, in your growth and the things that you're doing to get to that next level. You can get there, but it, it takes time. It takes practice. It takes hard work. It takes determination. And it takes believing in yourself. Um, and, and, again, people are going to knock you. People are going to say, oh, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. But you have to believe within your heart and your soul and everything in you and and you have to project that every day and and that's how you get to that next level that's how you get to that that point where you can say hey i'm here you know uh, i've made it right and so um, i'm not at that point yet <laughs> i'm still going you know and i'm yeah. and I've, I've achieved a lot in my life but that's not that's not it you know i, I still want to get to that next level i still want to get to that next point right that's that mama mentality like you can't you can't be uh you can't rest on what you what you've accomplished. You have to you have to want more. You have to search for more. You have to dip deep, deep, dive deep into yourself, right? And every being, your blood, your sweat, your tears, everything has to come out and uh, to reach to where you want to be. So I encourage everyone. Just you can get there, but it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears to get there, right? And it's not easy. It's not easy. You're going to get told no, and and that's okay. But that one yes. That's all you're looking for is that one yes. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And uh, Nikki, I do have one last question for you as well. And it was actually one that involves the, the military. Because I know one of the things that I used to love, and I, like I said, I'd never served, but I did have friends that were in the military. But one of the things I loved about it was that they were always telling you 
that part of the marketing tool was that you had to travel the world. And that's definitely a great marketing tool because you do get to see the world and everything. But, you know, I've always been a big fan of uh, John Lennon and Imagine and even some of Michael Jackson's songs. So I've always had this dream of kind of like even some of the things that exist in the Bible of this kind of like um, world that existed that we didn't necessarily need the military, not just the U.S. military, but even the Israeli military or the various other militaries that exist. And I know that that's not a realistic goal because we're humans and everything. But I was just wondering if you could talk to those that are having more of that peaceful mindset that they would like to have that world that we don't necessarily need a military. And is that even possible to have exist in your mind? Because I know that you're also a woman of faith, but it does seem like the military is needed, but it, we hope that it isn't at some point. Yeah, definitely a tough um, decision. I definitely do think that the military is needed, of course, because, um, you know, we have different religions and some religions think differently. Some religions believe in literally, you know, dying for what they believe in and literally, you know, bringing others with them. And we do need protection. I'm just trying to be so careful in what I say here, but we, we do need protection from, from that on a higher scale than just our local police officers and just our local uh, service members. We need people that will go in literally undercover in those war zones. We need our Delta Force. We we need our, uh, you know, our Green Berets. We need those people that are willing to go into those situations in order to get us information to protect us. So I don't think the military is going anywhere. In fact, we just created the Space Force. So now we need Space Force. We, we need a military in space. And it's like, how crazy is that? But with everything that we just discussed today with IT, we need those specialized services um, to be trained on a government level to be able to go places where you know the average person may not be and be able to go and get training and when we talk about traveling the world um you know being in iraq and literally being in places when i read the bible to say oh my god little old me from ohio was there i was in baghdad i i was in old mesopotamia which is old persia of course where the kings and queens were where esther was you know my my foot touched the same sand that abraham walked on and i'm like wait a minute what little old me so uh, you know, you do get to travel the world. I definitely even turned down some opportunities to go places. But, um, you know, I don't think without the military in terms of travel wise, I would not have gone the places that I was able to go. But the military is definitely here to stay. And as the world keeps evolving, I don't know what we're going to come up with next after Space Force, but I'm sure there's something else even after that. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. And, you know, it's even interesting thinking about the military because, you know, I'm thinking about like what's been going on in Israel and, of course, South Africa back in the day. So as I said on uh, one of my other friend shows and everything, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. So sometimes it's even interesting to see how that goes on, because sometimes we might even support somebody because we feel that they're on our side. And then it turns out that we don't support them later. I'm thinking about people like Noriega and even some of the folks in the, the Middle East. So it's just interesting when you have that kind of contrast that goes on with our world politics as well. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that, Nikki. 
Yeah, definitely true. And, you know, as I said, as we just keep evolving, evolving, you know, you, you just never know what's really in somebody's mind. You know, you right. just never know, you know, are they, you know, a friend? Are they a foe? You know, like you said, even Saddam Hussein actually trained at Fort Bragg, you know, many years, you know, before, you know, what happened, we all know, you know, so you just never know, you know, one moment a friend, one moment a foe. So I think that's once again why we need the military because we need that um, that inside intel to where the average person you have to have certain training to be able to to go in those environments. So you know it's just always interesting to see how things unfold. Yep, definitely. Courtney, last thing, and then this will be the last thing for everybody is who's going to win the NBA championships because we're down to Phoenix just swept. Denver, they just they just dispatched them like it was nothing, and I forget who's all on the other side of the West. And then we've got Philly up two one on Atlanta, but Trey does have me worried because Trey is very dangerous and everything. And it's two two Brooklyn and and Milwaukee. And actually, I've got some ties Marquette where Doc Rivers and me went to school, and everything is in Milwaukee. So Marquette's over there in Milwaukee. So I definitely know the Bucks. So definitely, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So I'm not even sure who's going to be in the Final Four. Minus Phoenix, because uh, we know Phoenix is there because they just dispatched Denver with no problem. So as a sports fan, what can we expect? Who are you expecting to be in the Final Four? And have you got a winner yet for us? I knew you were going to ask that question, Mark. And uh, I- I'm rooting for uh, uh, the Suns, man. I'm rooting for Phoenix. Uh, Chris Paul, like, he- he's never been here. So he- he's a hard player, man. He- he's-, he's he's a special player. And he's he's coming towards the end of his career, too, you know, so – I'm rooting for him. Um, I think coming out of the East, I was going to say the Nets, but with uh, Kyrie Irving down, I'm going to say the Bucks will probably pull that out, you know. Um, and I think they'll probably come out of the East, to be honest. They'll so probably come out of the Phoenix, East. Phoenix and Milwaukee is their championship, and you're hoping Phoenix takes the whole thing. Yep. That, that's, 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 my, that's my call. So I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We have that's to not see official. how it goes and everything, so we'll see if that's <laughs> the way it's going to go since there's no Ohio teams involved this year, so we'll have to see what they do in terms of football and uh, baseball because I do know that they've still got those franchises going because I don't think that they, even their hockey team is doing anything as well. So we just have to find out in terms of the Ohio folks what's going to go on in terms of baseball and the football. So I don't think the football team did too bad last year, so maybe they'll have a – run and everything, but they've got to get past the Baltimore Ravens and some other tight competition in right. their division from what I remember. Right. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Yep, definitely have to wait and see. But I do want to thank both of y'all as well as my other guests for being on, and I'm looking forward to having y'all back on in the very near future, and I definitely have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and look forward to having y'all back on uh, later on. As a matter of fact, I've got to do, because you don't know this, Nikki, but Monday is my crazy day because it's, it's become even more crazier recently because you thought that the um, expo was crazy and that was like a whole week but on Monday I usually wind up doing three podcasts two streaming ones and one that's audio but then they've also lately had me doing a news program in the morning that I kind of produced kind of like what I was doing with BBX and everything and all of that so that's Monday is a four streaming day so I've still got one more to do because I did the news oh, wow. one and I was actually jealous of the anchor of the news one because usually he's coming at us from this town of Morrisville. This time he was at the beach. I'm going like, wait a minute. You went to the beach to do the news and you didn't bring me as a producer and an anchor 
Courtney will even tell you that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. I'm going to right. have to talk to Steve about that and be like, if you go to the beach, you need to bring me along with you. So yeah. he's at the beach, and I've done my other two streaming shows, ending this one right now, and now get ready to join my good friend, Dean Geronimo, on the audio one. So I've got a yeah. few minutes to catch my breath, grab a... a- McCafe K-Cup Pods are bringing two tempting tastes right to your coffee cup, only at Walmart. Classic French toast brings the best of breakfast to every sip with the comforting flavors of sweet maple syrup, buttery toast, and a dash of cinnamon. Baked apple pie honors the classic cafe dessert with the taste of crisp apple, buttery pie crust, and sweet cinnamon flavors. Brew them up with the new Keurig K-Express Essentials Brewer. Whatever flavor you choose, you can't lose. So try them both. McCafe, available at Walmart. At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks. Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams of 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com.